OTB GAA. I think it has become a little bit sanitized. You need somebody to bring a bit of color and wit and enthusiasm. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Welcome along, it's Monday morning. How was your weekend, folks? Uh, I support a bunch of different teams. Uh, Leinster Rugby, Aston Villa, Kildare Footballers, Antrim Hurlers, a bit of Katie Taylor in there too. Not a single win. Not one single win. Even from many winning positions. Like literally, all of them with the exception of the Antrim Hurlers who obviously were annihilated by Galway. But everybody else had it right in their hands. Right in their hands. And let it slip through at the very end. How was your weekend, folks? Kathleen, how was your weekend? I think I was all right. It was kind of 50-50 in terms of the win-loss. Football teams didn't do too well. So I'm just going to tell everybody, Shane Hannan has been uh, kicked out for supporting La Rochelle. But who do we replace him with? Who are you cheering for? La Rochelle. <laughs> oh, sickening. Well, I don't know. I got a lot of hate for this over the weekend and also in the office last week every time the conversation was brought up. But I felt like I had more loyalty to Raj than I did the how Leinster g- team at this stage. How could you not support La Rochelle? Hey, How could you not? I mean, look, I you know there was a bit of grief gotten when Mr. O'Gara was inducted into Cork Mount Rushmore a few years ago. It was premature. Oh, oh I don't know about I don't know about it was Raj. premature, Colin. Oh, now it's minority sport. Now he's a contender. <laughs> now he's a contender sport. for Ireland's Mount Rushmore. Shorty, shorty. Uh, well, he's certainly our greatest ever rugby coach. Is right? he? Well, I mean, yeah. I suppose Kidney has a Grand Slam. Uh, and a European Cup, and that's probably better than two European Cups. But, uh, you know, you'd have to say he's right there. He's on track for it, you would say. Yeah. You kind of feel like he needs to still do it. Like, does he need to take a country and do something well, with them? I mean, Ashley was asking him what's next. He's like, oh, I'm going to coach Ireland at some point. You know, whenever, that's, whenever that happens. It's like, all right. I mean, yeah, that's, uh, that's very clear now. And that was great because it was a pretty open-ended question by Ashley. You know, it could have been, oh, I'll continue on with La Rochelle. Build a legacy. I mean, this could be three in a row, of course, if it wasn't for Body being sent off about two years ago now at this stage. It could be on three in a row, so we could be going for that. But Raj, without pretty much much hesitation, I want to coach Ireland. We have uh, actually 30 seconds of post-match ebullient Ronan O'Gara. Have a look. What is the ambition for Ronan O'Gara as a coach? Where do you see yourself? I know back-to-back champions now at La Rochelle, but where do you see yourself in the future? Of course you want to test coach Ireland. That's always been the goal, but I think... Uh, what you do gets you that job there's there's no hard luck story you know if you're the best candidate you get it if you're not someone else gets it but I'm giving it my best shot but I must admit I enjoy the journey I put a huge emphasis on hopefully having a healthy family and me being healthy and I don't really look long term mm-hmm. alright uh, can I just bring in everybody else's parade here though as well like that was largely the Ireland team that got beaten and uh, today in the Times, Stuart Barnes is making the point that all of a sudden the green monsters don't look so monstrous. So put that in your pipes and smoke it, Monster slash La Rochelle fans this morning. You, you two can feel the despair. That was the only thing that like people kept coming back at me that I was like, okay, yeah, that is slightly concerning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Oh, but thanks. also, but also, Man, this sorry, is how you beat us. Can I, Jamie Heaslip on the RT commentary, like after the match had finished, he was like, you know, all season these guys haven't faced adversity. You know, they've absolutely stomped the league and they've got all the way to the final without any adversity. Da da da. But as you point out, that is like majority of the Irish team. Like yeah. they played the Six Nations. They've they been together for long. Like. They have faced adversity. Yeah, they had an easy run for most of the season. But you can't say that they don't know what to do when the going gets tough. No, you can't. I, I don't like that whole, oh, it's the competition's fault because there wasn't enough hard games. Like, well, come on, come on. That's, they were rested. They were able to rest all their best players. And it looked like a brilliant strategy after 20 minutes. Like, they made some critical errors. And we get into this in the performance yeah. rankings. Can I just say, yeah. sorry, before we get into the Gillette Labs performance rankings, it's a running joke now for a few weeks. Like, the omissions are big news. Just have to say, before you actually see these displayed on screen, because all five are show up at once, a lot of big hitters are missing. And I can tell you right now, there's you're no Evan Ferguson. You're, you're justifying yourself here. There's no Evan Ferguson. There's yeah. no West Mead. There's no Wexford. I think we should have just put Evan Ferguson in. I, you, you I can't. mean, you can. You the, can. the second goal had, like, the first goal was Harry Kane. The second goal is, like, just a brilliant run. But the first goal has this kind of no backlift, in, intense power. I mean, like, that's, that's, uh, uh, that's, that's, like, the first goal is like Gavin Bazuna's coming back into the team if that's what Alex McCarthy's going to do in the Southampton goal no 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 no, 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 no. Yeah, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. He, he takes it early like, he takes it it's Harry Kane no. Harry Kane scores a load of those goals where oh, the keeper should have done better but you can't because it's right at you it's, like, it's right at you this is Premier League soon to be championship football for McCarthy like get your body shape right get your body behind the ball that's an easy catch it's not he, he, he didn't anyway. he shaped up to shoot uh, you know Shane I mean? says no Westmead after being 17 points down after 23 minutes it's Joe. just a disgrace I think it was, it was not only 16 minutes did you just, did you just give away the Westmead you did give away sorry I was like they haven't yeah. even seen this but yet. you see you say give away when we start this you'll see all five so there's no hiding place but that's how competitive this week's Lance performance rankings are right let's get into them you know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lacked that intensity. Ah, uh, the Gillette has performance rankings. Welcome along this week for general hour and that's wrong with pain. You? What do you mean, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with you? This team what's is wrong? This, what, this, is, this is what it's all about, like. You're losing, yes. This I is know. what it's all about. I know. And I know as a country, we prefer, you'd probably prefer to lose. Like, No, I wouldn't. You know, it gets the grief out. The, I wouldn't. But the, the anger is on. The, the repressed uh, generations of trauma finds an outlet. Is that what you're talking about? 17 points it up. It all goes back to the famine. After 12 minutes. 16 points up we after 38 minutes. the Munster minutes. Hurling Championship straight off the bat here. Sorry, I've, I've ruined the tone of the oh. show today. The Munster Hurling Championship is the be-all and end-all. You know, go on, have at it. Go on, sorry. Are you talking rugby? I don't. I'm talking rugby. Starting. I don't think we should talk rugby there you today. Go. There's no there rugby. You go. No. There, oh, there's no. So as you see, folks, we have two entrants from the same game. I Glasgow didn't, didn't show up on Friday night. You know, I, I'd usually be opposed to that. Met some Toulon fans afterwards. They were very happy with their absolutely. What everybody prestige. wants to talk about. I haven't even looked at the live comments, but I know you're all talking about the rugby. So I think that's a fair subtitle. Uh, Leinster threw it all away, and here's why: after uh, seven, after twelve minutes, Leinster seventeen, La Rochelle nil. After 38 minutes, Leinster are 16 points ahead. But when the final whistle goes in Dublin on Saturday evening, La Rochelle have retained the Heineken Champions Cup. I will say one thing to you. This is exciting. I will say one thing to you. (laughs) I'm loving this. I will say one thing to you. Rafael Nadal lost two Wimbledon finals in a row to Roger Federer in 2006 and 2007. The first one by four sets. 
second one in five sets and in 2008 what is often considered the greatest men's final in Grand Slam history saw Rafael Nadal finally win Wimbledon beating Roger Federer so next season the 2024 Heineken Champions Cup final Leinster could finally get revenge Rafael Nadal style against La Rochelle I Does that make you feel better? It's in Spurs Stadium, is it? Uh, is that, is that, am I right? It's in London anyway. I think it is in Spurs. Could we swap that out and just get Ireland to do well in the World Cup and that'll be revenge enough for all of us? I mean, I think everybody would um, take Ireland bouncing back from this against uh, now a very solid game plan. So the, the reason why it's, it's so depressing is that, uh, as I said, so Stuart Barnes is a great piece in the Times today. Just to bring you all down into our world... All the rest of you Irish fans. He's saying the scrum dismantled. Uh, the big beats up front from uh, um, a French, South African and um, all black perspective. They're going to be looking at what uh, Raj and Dunica Ryan did to us. And they'll be like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, that's, that's a great template for us. And, um, you know, the French, um, the three that they have, uh, Aldrich... Antonio, and who's the third one? I've just forgotten. Dante. Dante. What a, like, what a player. I'm like, oh my God. Uh, we can be a monster mode and very hard to beat, said um, their lock afterwards. And um, he's saying Tyg Furlong has diminished to the point where he needs to be at 100%, but he's not at 100%. Um, he's saying Andrew Porter is a pile driver of a player, but got devoured in the scrum by Antonio. These aren't stuff that you hear in the Irish media very often. And uh, an even greater cause for concern is the situation of fly half. Was there a bit of fate tempted last week? But I was like, oh, you know, we can do this without Johnny Sexton. Turns out we can't. Um, everyone wants Sexton to be fit, but it's impossible not to be fearful. He is vulnerable. The back catalogue of blows and his present absence emphasise the potential frailty. Um, but then he goes on to explain how Ross Byrne, not really the same... And I noted Ross Byrne missing two of his first three conversions as well. I mean, four more points handy to have. Yeah. Hit look, the post to both of them, like they were tight angles. They were tricky. You would hope that the first one that hit the post, the second one then is a rangefinder. Mm. Like, I mean, I've never kicked under pressure in a Even the one final. he scored, though, like the third in that series, it was like he didn't strike it particularly well. Like, it just made it over the bar and it wasn't like it was particularly far out or anything. You know, the sort of thing you would have expected him to be able to get a lot more force and power behind. Yeah, and maybe that fed into their decision. So certainly he turned down the penalty um, when they... So Leinster won a penalty in the 75th, 76th minutes, whenever, mm. and then they kicked to the corner and the two minutes of uh, pressure before the red card, which, um, you know, ended the game, essentially. And... Uh, they're saying that they backed him. That that's his decision because he feels whether or not, and that's fair enough. Um, but why didn't they go for a drop goal? Why didn't they line up for a drop goal? They yeah, were, like they you, were absolutely right there. You were there, Jar. What was your feeling at the time? Go for goal. Uh, yeah, take take the drop goal. Yeah. I mean, I did feel like if you score a try here, you're going to win the game. So like, well, when try, they kicked to the corner, were you happy at the time? Try and score the try. Uh, well, there was there's there's long enough left. There was long enough left. I think that's been overblown. People calling it possible Leinster arrogance, like oh, we'll, we'll get a try. Don't worry. But there was enough time. I understood the ambition. I think there was long enough left. You're giving the ball back to them, and you've had so you're down. A, are you they already down? Was Keller gone? Keller was gone at that stage. So they're down a man, and yeah. they know that they've been completely unable to stop the waves of attack so you want to eat up as much of the clock as possible I thought the plan was to kick to the corner meander the ball into the middle and then have your attempt at the drop goal but they didn't ever line up for the drop goal no well, they looked like they were very much going from the, for the try from the start yeah but La Rochelle were down to 14 as well Dante was gone 
Uh, I mean, that's, so that's why they... When did he go? That was very, very soon after Kelleher. Like, they, it was 14 apiece until Natai got sent off to about, what, two minutes before the end. So it was a fair game, actually. Very, very uh, shortly after told. Leinster yeah. down to 14. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, so... I actually don't remember when uh, the Dante card happened. Did not? Did was that not one of the reasons? Anyway, whatever. Like, um, I it, it does strike me as something that they need to add to their armory. Yeah, we can hit drop goals when we need to to win tight games. Um, Dante was sunbend on seventy four. Okay, so yeah, then that's granted. It was back to fourteen apiece. Um, you do, you do, you don't want to give them the ball back with any time left on the clock, you know, because. Um, but it didn't happen. No. It's moot. I do wonder, like, does everything change if they get over the line? It, it does, of course. Like, it's like, oh, what a heroic performance it was against. Now, what we have to talk about is one of the all-time great European rugby teams. Like, La Rochelle are now one of the all-time great rugby teams. Oh, we'll get to them in green, don't worry. Yeah, well, but it, let's talk about Leinster. But <laughs> everybody... <laughs> let's extend your pain a little bit well, longer. Well, no, like, if Leinster had gone across, it would have been like great everyone would have been like oh they sustained the pressure they've shown that they can actually show up in the big games and sustain that sort of pressure and even if a team is coming at them they still have the grit and the might to get back whereas instead uh, I, I think they should have taken their points and if they initially. get the drop goal like again all the, all the narrative gets completely changed you know it is um, an incredibly but uh, also you kind of want for that Leinster team as well to say like okay take the three points go ahead and then also be confident enough in themselves to be like well we can hold them out for another three or four minutes yeah. get the ball back and kick it out and there we go European champions at long last yeah I don't know maybe there was an injury or something with with the kicking I don't know like and Frawley had obviously missed the kick the previous week so he wasn't going to step up and and take that one like uh, Harry Byrne obviously they didn't feel had their trust after the Munster game but certainly he would have the range for that final kick so look again these are all the things people that weren't performing at absolute peak at the end of the season and La Rochelle were um, you know. Yeah. So anyway, how do we all feel about uh, Patrick Keelty? Yeah, I think it's so. Uh, sorry, <laughs> I guess it's uh, the weekend. Yeah. Can, we're burning another lead. Can we, Philip Schofield. What? Oh can we God. talk about the coin toss? Turn your beforehand. turn your head for two seconds, this and all of a sudden the world is completely changed. Illustrated, showcased by Here, Leinster. Hanson and Busted are um, James Ryan, <laughs> Gregor Aldrit. So so much so it wasn't. Uh, oh, he didn't look me in the eye. That was a mistranslation. It was the stare down. Yeah, I don't know. Right into so, his face. We have to have a picture of that. Of Ryan looking Aldrit. I look, found at it, look at that! That's that's Roy Keane, Mick McCarthy stuff. It's I mean, it, I found it a bit you know strange. I mean? Like if he genuinely not looked him in the eye, I would have been like, that was a bit more offensive than trying to stare him down. Like you're the captain of like one of the great European teams before a game. Like of course you're gonna try and do a bit of intimidation or. Just no, it, it actually smacks of a lack of self belief. Like why don't you just be respectful beforehand? I'll see you out there. In a good way, not that, a every tunnel way. That's, I mean, you've obviously been fed the talk. Are you a plant? <laughs> who, who are you? Well, surely you, they were in the wrong. Did you, did you just retire from La Rochelle? Look, Leinster's start was phenomenal. It's one of the best starts to a match I've seen all season. I don't know what happened after that. Like, I mean, maybe the half time tussle changed everything, changed their focus. None of this matters. The, the stare down beforehand, the, the rooms in the building, none of this matters. La Rochelle are better than Leinster slightly. They're like, you know, 0.0001% better than Leinster. And they They're have actually been... actually exactly one point better than them. <laughs> well, over the last three seasons. Uh, and that's, that's the reason why. That's the reason why at the end of those three games now, they have got the better of Leinster. Like, I, you know. But it's not a crisis, is it? 
For who? For Leinster. Because I was t- hearing over the weekend, it was like, this is the, it feels like the end of an era. And in WhatsApp groups with a lot of Leinster supporters saying, you know what, Jameson Gibson Park, when it comes to it, just doesn't have it. James Lowe, when it comes to it, just doesn't have well, that's it. That's absolute that, bollocks. That's, that's too much, isn't that it? That is absolute bollocks, right? I mean, they, they are the worst sort of fans that you I'm can possibly have. I'm smiling away, Jar and Kathleen, reading these texts. Yeah, they made, they made mistakes. Like? They made big, big mistakes in the game. They absolutely made big mistakes in the game. But Lowe is just back from injury. And Jameson Gibson Park has been a transformative figure in Irish rugby under Andy Farrell. He is at the centre of all of our best performances under Andy Farrell, which has taken our national side to number one in the world. We just won a Grand Slam. We just won our first ever series down in New Zealand. All because Jameson Gibson Park is a world-class scrum half. He didn't have his best game. Made some mistakes under pressure. So maybe the game plan was wrong. But the notion that they are not going to be good enough to play for Ireland or Leinster into the future is absolute bollocks. The anger's on. Well, look, in a bright respect, Dan Sheehan, Dan Sheehan is so mobile and fast. He could be a centre or even a winger. Yeah. Like, so there's a lot of green shoots here, Ger. Like, you know, a point isn't that bad to the best team in Europe. You would hardly call it green shoots. Like, this is a very established team that it's like... He's being patronising on purpose. <laughs> okay, so how would you assess the last two seasons, Ger? Leinster fan? Yeah, Trophies. Like, Was it all worth it? Everything is worth it. They felt alive, right? Yeah, all you want to do is you want to feel alive. And they brought the team to the brink of glory twice. And they've come up, as I said, against one of the all-time great European teams. Uh, the fact that it's Ron Nogara makes it more painful for Leinster fans because, you know, and there's a different scenario where he could have been coaching Leinster at some point, maybe. Um, but anyway. You're full, uh, full faith of Leo Cullen? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. This whole thing about like, oh, they've, they've definitely underachieved. Like, they created all those players. A bunch of those players weren't going to be as good as they are without the coaching of Lancaster and without the coaching and the management of Leo Cullen. So, like, you can't say, oh, he's got this team of Galacticos. Yeah, well, he, he, they helped them become Galacticos. If, he, Leo Cullen didn't replace Joe Schmidt. There was the whole Matt O'Connor thing in between. Wasn't that, I got my times wrong. Maybe I've got my times wrong. I got my times wrong. What are we saying? Oh, now I've, I've lost it now. <laughs> I'm rattled. He's, he's, his head's gone here. Yeah. Never seen him in the so last How do so you focus. rank this season for Leinster coming out? That's really disappointing. Like, no, like, it's a no, 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 but like, not just disappointing. Like, is, like, is it a failure of their season? The fact that they dominated, were on top for so long and didn't come out with the title at the end. I, like, like, it's not... This isn't a Leinster team where you're like, it's good enough to get to finals. No, but it's also like uh, sport and the outcome is in jeopardy because we don't know what's going to happen. This isn't like... There's no... But we, we, we know the result of the season now. Like, I saw we have somebody, it in I front saw somebody of us. tweet this yesterday going, oh, 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 they're just like Arsenal, aren't they? Like... <laughs> Yeah, exactly. West Ham, West Ham and La Rochelle are the same thing, Muppet. Uh, I love your mocking voice. It's the same for everyone. That uh, WhatsApp group, the Leinster WhatsApp group is alive and well this morning. Uh, I think Jar is overstating it and it's not bollocks either. Well, there of course, course man who says something. There are players that can be approved upon. Sometimes I think you're but just in WhatsApp groups for the content column. You just sit there and you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, sorry, my mate said this this morning. <laughs> just finding the most controversial ones you can. Rory Larmer's in straight away, head's gone. Jar's head's gone this morning. The mates don't exist. That's, <laughs> that's the truth about <laughs> they this. They are AI. AI no, no, this is stuff creation. that you would like to have the boss to say yourself, but don't. That's, oh! Yeah. Oh! There you go. Oh, wow. That's when he's really serious. Yeah, you're like bringing it now. They change the tone. No, I am saying everything. No, 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 you're Through saying them. everything. 
I've said everything. Leinster in red, and so and rightly so. Uh, you said it all. Yeah, yeah. Um, but overall, good season for Leinster. I mean, it's not a good season when you <laughs> like. So uh, it's been a continuous period of difficulty, and look, you know they have to mourn and get over it. Like that's it. They have to, you know. Uh, the South African influence will come in next season and we shall see how that goes and hopefully it goes well. Look, Alan Quinlan and James Tracy were on commentary for Off the Ball over the weekend for this match. We'll have Alan Quinlan in after the first ad break. Quinlan's opinion that Leinster did not throw no, this away. No, I was away. right, I was right, I was right. They didn't I blow knew it. I was right. They didn't blow it. The- Matt O'Connor was the coach beforehand, right? Where the same resources, the same available selection and the team was absolutely abysmal. Terrible to watch. No ambition to play. And then Leo Cullen comes in, takes a little while to get going, but is, is humble enough to take on uh, coaching advice from around the world, and Graham Henry first, and then ultimately Stuart Lancaster, rekindles the career of Stuart Lancaster, and uh, turns this team of kids into now what everybody says, oh, it's a team of Galacticos. How could you not win with that? I was like, well, I, I mean, I'm the, we made them Galacticos. Like, we're the ones who are responsible for their evolution and development. So... I've been told by the producer to move on. Right. Let's go into the other red. Kerry. Kerry, Kerry, Kerry. Their first defeat for Surrey Stadium in 40 matches. Mayo kicking 119. Losing uh, 17 points to 119. Does this matter, sir? Yes. Yes, this matters. Uh, I was chatting to James O'Donoghue on the show before the game kicked off because he was doing comms down for us down here and he was so excited he was like it's a beautiful day in Killarney and he was like oh Mayo have made a few changes they don't have Paddy Durkin you know I really think Kerry can take them went to him about 13 minutes into the first half and you can almost hear the despair in his voice like it had changed completely and he was like Mayo should have had about two goals at this stage Kerry looked totally off the pace there and like you could hear it from the way he was speaking that he was like today isn't going to be a good day for us I think it matters for loads of different reasons that like Kerry will have to go and lick their wounds and they've got plenty of opportunity to do that over the next couple of weeks before we see them now in a preliminary quarterfinal more than likely Um, I think that'll be at home for them if they finish second in the group Uh, this is all still very Nations League-y when it comes to um, working out the prognostications but uh, it means Mayo are genuine all Ireland contenders again. Like, you can't go to a full Fitzgerald Stadium in Killarney and control the game from start to finish and then not be considered genuine all Ireland contenders. This is exactly what we needed the first round out. Like, again, it goes to show that the provincial championships should just be their own thing and not connected whatsoever to the later competition. The later competition for Sam Maguire should be a standalone competition. Uh, it's great for... Uh, Galway that they won this year it was great for Ross Common that they reached the final blah 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 you know the Ulster final well there'll always be an asterisk beside that game but um, uh, I think this does matter and I think uh, the fact that it was a full house and it's a five point win for Mayo I am you know while I was being trolled by one of our friends who uh, may or may not be travelling in South America about the Leinster run it was it was a it was great that there was a bit of back and forth. There was something else you can give back to the, the Kerry people. So uh, I know the Kerry Mafia are not taking this well. No, my, my thoughts are with them this morning. Did you see Owen Sheen's face? I did. Jesus. Broke his nose. Siphon. He, he did. Still watched all the sports. The commitment to knows no bounds for that man. Yeah. Overall. But look, we, we won't know if this is... The, this he's okay, though. That's yeah, he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely say that. Um, look, we won't know if this uh, newfangled Sam Maguire competition is actually going to be a success until we're done. With the first goal, right? I oh, know. Like, uh, like there could it, be something in this. 
it's it's way better than the crap that there was, but it's nowhere near as good as it could have been if they'd just gone with the good proposal that they had. Like, we would have had this earlier in the year. proposal B, by any chance. Probably. <laughs> uh, look, we'll move on. We'll move on because um, the Monster Hurling Championship, like, I have it there, cruel Monster Hurling Championship, talent punished, which I think is fair, and that's why it's in the red, because I actually feel bad putting my own province in the red here after that another incredible day of Monster Hurling Championship. Limerick... Uh, and tip drawing they were nine times level in this game another sending off for Limerick Barry Nash their discipline like the poor discipline knows no bounds like we've been talking about this so far this year what's the story with Kylie's men like why can't they keep it all together but it's a different problem they had yesterday which was seemingly a bit of complacency would you agree? I don't know if complacency is the right word because like, there was so much... They didn't look at it. They didn't look like their usual intense selves. But they haven't really looked like that a lot this season. Like I don't think yesterday was def- necessarily a different thing and I don't know if it's complacency or if this is just a team that's struggling to motivate itself because like there was so much on the line yesterday. If there was any game that you were going to have a bit of get up and go, it had to be yesterday because it was essentially do or die for them. Yeah, but how did Limerick... like? It was a few weeks ago, Shane Hannon sitting in this very chair, lamenting the fact that Limerick are as dominant as the Dublin footballers were a few years ago. So how did Limerick find themselves in a position yesterday where they very feasibly could have been knocked out of Munster? Well, the Munster Harling Championship is too... So there you go. It's too hard. Um, and uh, can, can they do anything about this to change the fact that a very, very good side will always exit the championship way too prematurely. Well, we were happy enough with the, the two teams going last year thinking, well, we're not really missing anything here um, because there has generally been one of the teams in crisis whenever the round robin has been played. And so you can kind of scratch them off and water for this year's version. But this year, you can't. Like, um, And it could still there could still be something a little bit kooky uh, over the, the final games. So... Um, I I think it's ridiculous to put the Munster hurling championship in red. I think I mean you're you're. But I'm not though. Pe- I'm, pe- I'm putting pedantically. The, I'm putting the cruelty uh, yeah. of the right. of okay. the fact okay. Okay. that a great team okay. goes out. Also, look, we have to mention Westmead's ridiculous comeback against Wexford. I actually think that was talked about more in the YouTube comments this morning than Leinster initially. Have had it like that was insane. Mm. I was I was driving back from Sligo, listening to that in the radio. They are, like they, it was actually interrupted it was like old school we have to interrupt this uh, <laughs> for a very important breaking news Westmead are on the comeback like that was one of the greatest comebacks in All-Ireland history let alone this year and I they're not even in the performance rankings I think yeah, I saw somewhere that it was the biggest ever comeback like in terms of points to come back from 17 down and look, we got, we'll do something on this properly this week because that was remarkable. The other well, here's op- the thing, sorry. If, if, if Antrim beat them in the final game of the uh, round robin in Leinster, then Wexford will be relegated. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's completely slipped under the radar. Like, it's, uh, it's the biggest news. But I will say one more thing about the most Championship. Cork loses by a point to Clare. The old problem of Cork's forwards work rate coming back into the limelight there. Clare were strolling out at a whim and the fact that they only lost by a point is actually impressive at the end because there is a problem with Cork off the ball eh? but there is okay well we'll talk about that with Sarah in a little while we will let's transition very smoothly on to well, Amber Claire, here. Claire could be all Ireland favourites at this stage after next week well, Claire's and, hearted, yeah. and they just they just be <laughs> Cork by a point you're like ah typical Cork I can't believe it I didn't bother showing up and doing any work oh yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, oh, look we have to move on I'd love, to, I'd love to spend more time on Cork's defeat you know I would but look time's of the essence here Katie Taylor, Amber, now this, uh, I'll bring it behind the curtain, folks. 
big debate about this last night. Where should Katie Taylor lie? In the, in the red. Internet Lab's performance rankings this In the red. Week. This cold son of a gun in the middle of your shot there. <laughs> Straight into red she should go. Yeah. What? Sorry, sorry. You have to discriminate between, in the boxing terms, a fighter getting knocked out or stopped comfortably before the final round versus a decision defeat where the first judge has Chantal Cameron and Katie Taylor as a draw. You have to discriminate there. It wasn't a bad performance. And Jer, this is the Gillette Labs performance rankings, not results rankings. I'd say Katie Taylor feels like she's a, a winner, all right, this week. Does she? She's like, oh, yeah, I don't feel like a loser. I'm, I'm, oh, they, they're holding up somebody else's hands. <laughs> no, this is an unusual feeling. I don't know what that is. Oh, I, this is the feeling of being an amber. Yeah, sorry, yeah, you ha- right, well, yeah, yeah, first I'm of all, for, okay, a couple of things there. We have an amber every week. You knew this was coming. Secondly, who else was going to come into Amber this weekend? Who else? And thirdly, it's a very American sport attitude you have where, like, we only have a winner or a loser. You know, like, there is a bit... no tie. It's like kissing your sister. There okay. is a bit... I mean, come on. <laughs> what? There is, there is a bit of uh, ambiguity here. Like, there is a bit of nuance. I mean, there really It isn't. wasn't a terrible performance. Look, I realised I realize that uh, this is one of our sacred cows and you but can't... You, it is. And you can't criticise... Anything that Katie Taylor has ever done. But picking this fight was the wrong fight for her. Like, Okay, let's talk about she, that. She could easily, and it would absolutely have been the right thing to do for her health and for her career, had a homecoming fight against anybody, and they would have sold it out. And then that's a warm-up for a big fight, which is your going-away fights. And then you can, you know, have it wherever you want. Uh, reports in the papers today that Croke Park not interested in doing business with um, Eddie Hearn. They felt like... Uh, they were pissed off. Kieran Cunningham has this story. Uh, they particularly didn't like the uh, declaration that the GA were taking the piss. Taking the piss. <laughs> that did not go down well, apparently, in, in the GA corridors. I generally agree with Jerry's opinion that the, Katie Taylor should probably be in the red. No, because I think I think if you look at Katie Taylor and everything she's Maybe. done in her career and like how she looks at herself, that like she obviously would be disappointed and obviously like wanted to win that fight I don't necessarily agree with the point though that like she should have just taken an easier fight and would have had like a big oh yay it's a nice day out or whatever she's never done that but that's what all boxers do there's nothing wrong with that no like you you don't have to always be the. but like you know like for her and what the the legacy she has built for herself over the last like seven eight nine years like she doesn't want that for herself and like she was never going to come back to Ireland and just take some easy fight for the sake of doing it and have like a big flashy moment because that's that's not what Katie Taylor wants to do and like I I do appreciate that about her I think I do think maybe she could have chosen an opponent opponent that was a bit smarter or maybe a bit more middle of the road yeah somebody who's not uh, three inch reach three inch height advantage and also just a bigger fighter like that just didn't make any sense from a business perspective and this isn't this isn't really just sport this is a business I think that she could have fought somebody I I thought she looked tired in the opening few rounds and overwhelmed by Cameron's uh, flurry of punches because if you saw the statistical breakdown Taylor threw nearly half the number of punches but was actually more accurate when she was throwing them but she wasn't doing any damage to Cameron so you can imagine when you're in that position and whatever I'm doing here my best basically isn't good enough it Mm. isn't strong enough but she looked a bit flat and I'm not just saying that after the fact I was watching the fight live thinking she doesn't look quite there I don't know if she was emotionally drained by the homecoming look like it's very much Monday morning analysis in every sense of the word but it did seem she was slightly off Let's hear from Eddie Hearn. 
So, Eddie, it wasn't the, the fight for Katie Taylor tonight. It's not what the Irish wanted, not the result the Irish wanted. No, but it was a great fight. And, you know, when you're in a great fight, you're in a tough fight, you're in a 50-50 fight, you can get beat. And... Uh, Chantel Cameron was fantastic tonight. I thought it was a very close fight. I thought Chantel just edged it, and Katie will be devastated, but will be desperate to do it again. Katie, we know her for her pace. I didn't see that as much tonight. Yeah, she looked really tired, like even in the first round. And I don't know. You know I hate to take away from what Chantel did. Her body work was great, and she needed to start the fight the fight fast, and she did from the first round. But Katie looked really tired. I know the ring walk was long, and I, I, it was so emotional. Like I don't know whether that was draining. I mean, I felt really emotional watching her getting in the ring and seeing the crowd. But you know, Chantel was really calm in there tonight. She knew what she had to do and she executed the game plan perfectly. Yeah, a really powerful fighter. Mm. Was it a risk to jump up in weight class? We talked about this. Yeah, maybe. I mean, Chantel's boxed at super featherweight. She's boxed at lightweight. She was the bigger fighter in there tonight. But Katie wants to take risks. You know, she tried to make history tonight. She wanted that fight. She wanted the homecoming, and she'll still believe she can beat her. She hasn't come out to speak to the public just yet, and we can't blame her for that whatsoever. She's put on an amazing show tonight. Have you got a chance to speak to her? Yeah, I spoke to her in the ring. I mean, she was exhausted. She was devastated. She'll, she'll, she'll cry herself to sleep tonight, you know, and she'll probably won't sleep much till the rematch date's confirmed. Yeah, so there will be a rematch, it looks like. Um, Should there be? Uh, on what level? Would you want to see that fight again? Uh, I, I don't want to see any of the Irish fighters ever fight again once they've made their money or won a world title I feel like that the sport it, it's a law of diminishing returns in terms of your health it's just so dangerous yeah like I sorry I had forgotten about the intense experience it is to watch a fighter in a top level boxing match when you have a, a proper fighter that you actually want to win it is excruciating to watch yeah it is so like I was I was flinching at some of the punches, you know, and you forget that because it happened so rarely. That was the first huge, huge Irish boxing contest we've had since 2011. And uh, I do want to experience it again, but it was tough to watch at the end. Yeah, well, it, I always feel very guilty watching these fights because um, the, what they're putting themselves through and the punishment and what's coming in later life um, for fighters. Yeah. You know, we, we know far more about it now, even though we did 10, 15, 20 years ago. So she's 37 in July maybe one more fight I think it was always only going to be one more fight uh, and look if it's not going to be in Croke Park and if it is going to be a, a revenge fight then yeah. maybe I would like to see a Croke Park fight I have to say uh, by the way sorry before we move on from this God love anyone whoever was sitting behind Conor McGregor if they paid if, uh, if they dropped a couple of K for that ticket like they're not seeing anything the guy was up constantly standing up did you, did you tell him to sit down like Excuse Can me, you tap Conor McGregor on the shoulder? That's what we were, we were debating. We were watching it live. Like, <laughs> how do you approach this? Like, uh, Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, so we're into green. Uh, we want to talk Premier League. Now, I saw one comment there. Why are Man City and Forest in the green? Like, no one cares. Whoa. It's another Premier League title for Manchester City and Nottingham Forest. I think Man I City... Who should be in the amber? Man City up. in the amber. Like, to talk. They won the league ages ago. We know that. And like, uh, you know... Well, they won the, on Friday morning in our last show. They hadn't won the league, but, yeah, but that actually correlates with the other green with them. Nottingham Forest beating Arsenal on Saturday evening at the City Ground. A remarkable end to the campaign for Forest. Steve Cooper was talking to Sky Sports afterwards and said there was a game. And I remember this game at home to Spurs at the start of the season way back in August where they lost 2-0. And he said it could have been five. And he said he really feared for their future. 
and what was going to happen and he thought they were going to get relegated himself and he's the manager so I know they spent the bam over the summer they brought they basically brought an entirely new squad in but we also saw Chelsea do very similar transfer business where they bought way too many players in I thought the same for Forrest there'd be no cohesion here so fair play to Steve Cooper because he got all these new players in got them playing together and they've been excellent and now with a game to spare they've retained their Premier League status and I think yeah, you have to pay tribute because um, fair play to them. Remember they lost to Brentford a few weeks ago. We had them in the red. It looked like they were going down and they've come back. So it's been brilliant. And for Manchester City, we had a big debate about them on the show last week. The Sunday Times had a big article about how Pep turned their season around in January. They lost to Southampton in the Carabao Cup quarterfinal, 2-0 at St Mary's. And at the time, they had poor run of form in the Premier League. Kevin De Bruyne was out of the team. They lost their following game, the Manchester Derby at Old Trafford. And whatever you say about the limitless budget and where the money comes from and Pep has everything he ever wanted, they were struggling in late winter. And he has turned them around, whatever you want to say about it. He has. And I think you have to give them credit where it's due. They annihilated Real Madrid during the week. They've made, was it, nine changes to the team against Chelsea yesterday. They still won 1-0. I know Chelsea are rabble, but they still did it. And it's testament to what Pep has done with that site. Have to pay tribute to them. Uh, yeah, and we also have to mention the allegations of financial impropriety and the cover-up. Um, that they're facing at the moment. So I, these two things are going to live together forever. Absolutely. The 115 charges ever since that news broke on the 6th of February, they've been excellent since then. They've owned, the only points they dropped Spurred them on. was actually at the city ground. They drew one all away to Forest. And since then, it's 24 games unbeaten. So mm-hmm. backs against the wall. Everybody hates us. Let's show them how good we are. So it's very unfortunate. There is that asterisk, but Is it what backs a team. against the wall? That's what... Uh, that's what the message that Pep sent to the players and staff was. Everybody hates us. Once again, this is the second time in three years they're after us. Happened in February 2020. Nobody likes us. Everybody wants us out. We'll show them. So it's a season. have to say they did. And it, they have used the charges, it feels like. As yeah, because, I mean, the I players don't care about the charges, do they? They're just like, well, OK, let's play. Well, they're up for seven-figure bonuses if they get the travel, so... <laughs> And Kyle Walker wants to do it for the owner. And that's why Pep was so angry at them when they lost to Southampton in January in the Carabao Cup because if they won that tournament, the highest players only got a 75 grand bonus. And he, he accused them of saying, well, you're not motivated enough to win this. If you're not going to win this game, there's no point winning any other game. That's the way he looks at it. Jack Reeves was saying it afterwards Sky Sports yesterday that he, he described Guardiola as weird. He's like, it's just weird how he knows so much about every opposition that we play. And reading this article yesterday in the Sunday Times was that the staff and players... Uh, remarked upon how remarkable it was that Pep put as much uh, preparation into the Sheffield United FA Cup semi-final as he did for the Real Madrid Champions League semi-final. Shows everyone the same level of respect. That's why he's so successful. Uh, right. One more green. Yeah, some, some quick comments. Uh, Taylor, technically better boxer, but Cameron, the more physical and conditioned fighter, says Derek Gallagher. Should she not be applauded for taking on this challenge and not choosing an easy fight, says Michael. Uh, Katie Taylor was headhunting from first belt to the last belt. She should have mixed it up. Unfortunately, a rematch is a bad idea for her, says Bernardino. Um, uh, and then Hearn should be in the red for setting the fight up, uh, says Aina Carroll. Um, Taylor looked tired after two or three rounds completely outboxed the whole way through, says Jamie G. If she lost him was from Cork, Colin would still put her in the green because of her corkness, says Kenny the dad. You you got it, Kenny. Well, Kenny. Uh, Katie went to wait up, so the loss isn't a major deal breaker, says Frank. Uh, how can you even consider having Katie Taylor in the red, asks Michael. Boxed well against a great opponent, brought a big night of boxing back to Ireland and have raised female sport to a whole other level. Yeah, but she's raised female sport to a whole other level ages and ages and ages and ages ago. That's a great And thing. she would have brought big time boxing back irrespective of who the opponent was, is my point. 
And then, um, by her own unbelievably high standards, she's definitely in the red, says Aina. For the greatest female boxer of all time, any loss is a catastrophe. There you go. A sample of some of the opinion. Final green. We're going to bring it right back to the rugby again. A beautiful little cycle here that we're going on this morning on the Jetland's performance rankings. It's Raj. It's Ronan O'Gara. I said it to start. I wanted to leave it till now, but I just couldn't contain my excitement. He's not just a contender for Cork's Mount Rushmore. It's Ireland's Mount Rushmore. What a job he's done at La Rochelle. They were playing D2 rugby as recently as 2014. I know he inherited a very talented side, but he's getting the best out of them. And to retain the Heineken Champions Cup, to do it at the Aviva Stadium against an all-conquering Leinster, which they have been all season. Forget about the fact that I know that they lost the same final last year to the same opposition, but since then they've been brilliant, right up until last Saturday, when they lost to Munster and now La Rochelle. You have to give Ron Lugar immense credit for that. Also, the start, they had 17-0 down in no time. They were totally overwhelmed. This was the the question I was thinking at the time was like, God Almighty, they might not just lose this. It might be an embarrassment. What a comeback. Is there anything more to be said? No. <laughs> Why not? No. no more to Why be not? Well, because you asked You're an objective answered. broadcaster, a renowned one at that. You asked here, yeah. and I answered, uh, no, uh, O'Gara. Like, it's ridiculous what he's done. It's Isn't absolutely it? Isn't amazing. it all? Isn't no, it? And it, it, it is completely. It is, like, um, I, I don't remember any other Irish coach doing this. Like, I, I just don't, you know? It's, um, it's the way they were able to just grind it out. Like, there was not necessarily any point in that second half where you were like, oh, they're going to run away with this. Or, like, the, it's definitely in La Rochelle's hand and they're definitely going... Ah, uh, as a Leinster fan. <laughs> oh, no, go on. the sinking uh, feeling. No, I, like, cause I mean, like, we saw Leinster had their chances towards the end of that half. If they had just taken the points, if they had just got over the line, it would have been a totally different story. It wasn't like La Rochelle came out in the second half and did what Leinster had done in the first, like, 20 minutes of the first half. It was far more intense. It was slow. It was, like, pick-and-go, grinding sort of rugby. And in some ways, that was almost... Like, I'd love to know what O'Gara said to them at halftime to kind of... Well, he was busy. There. <laughs> he was busy last time. But like, how did he change the mentality of that team that like let three tries in so easily, well, it, and then it had changed in the the second quarter, really, when they when they got back into the game and started to get into Leinster's half. Leinster couldn't get out and started to make mistakes. Like the their try comes off, Leinster steal the ball, and then there's a quick pass back to James Lowe, and there's a knock on, and then from that period of pressure they get over the line you're like well, this, this is a really good team and they're not dead and I, I, I'd say from as a Leinster fan on the ground and it spread I'm sure but it did feel ominous a bit like oh, well I know I, I was surrounded by like hundreds of Leinster supporters and I, I watched it in a pub and it went so quiet as the second half moved on like you know normally there's kind of like people chatting or like even the people who weren't interested in the match started watching it and it was just like yeah. silence across the entire place and then every so often Leinster would do something semi-okay mm. and everyone would kind of roar and there'd be a few like Leinster <laughs> Leinster chants and then they would just slowly die away yeah, again yeah, yeah. <laughs> no that, that point is spot on as well because I experienced the same in your own lovely county in Sligo I was watching it great spot in one of your finer establishments and it was the same thing a lot of people weren't watching it and then the last five minutes there was just this sense in the pub that something seismic was about that to happen. was incredibly intense yeah and like there is nothing like that shared experience with strangers where you're sharing tables with the mm. people you never met before and, and was anybody supporting Leinster in Sligo Colin? everybody was supporting Leinster were they? Everyone, except you? except me yeah. right. everyone wow 
Um, also, clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. <laughs> Here I am. That one? Yeah, I do. But it's, it's always accurate. But no, I, I thought I supported uh, La Rochelle, and I thought like because on air stays on air. <laughs> I I didn't realize until the match was actually being played. Like whenever Leinster ran in the tries at the start, I felt disappointed, and then when La Rochelle started coming, in, I could feel like my heart rate going up and the excitement building. Yeah. And I didn't actually realize myself how much I cared. Like I kind of thought surface level, I was like, ah, like iconic friends. Like, yeah, yeah, I was like, oh, Ulton Delan. And Raj, you know, I yeah. kind of oh, like yeah, see them too well. I'm delighted for Ulton. Oh, that's class. Like, like, yeah, you know, a picture of him too, maybe, yeah, with the trophy. Maybe at some point he comes yeah. back to to see out his career as an Ireland international, yeah. like, and, and that goes full circle. I, you know, um, Raj can bring him back. We never actually mentioned James Ryan going off to the huge, huge impact on Leinster, which we'll yeah. get to with uh, Alan Quinnan. But uh, one of my favourite sporting shots of the year was the full time whistle when the camera panned to Ron and I won't say it, but what he said was obviously very easy to lip read, but it was just like... Nathan has he, a good clip of it on his Twitter. Ah, oh, it's fantastic. It's brilliant. Like, I mean, obviously, okay, like, it's just great. <laughs> it's a bit biased. But it's also amazing just to watch the absolute emotion just rip out of him. I'm surprised brilliant. his eyes didn't pop during the whole thing. I don't know, Dara, if you watched any of it back, but like any time the camera no. panned to him, his eyes were like so wide and intense. You could you, see the It's stress. funny, in the ground, there was no shots in the first half, or not that many shots right. in the first half. Yeah. And then one came up when Lancer were killing them and the Lancer crowd were like, oh! And I was like, oh, don't be doing that, lads. <laughs> they actually didn't really show that much of him on the TV whenever Until the Leinster, Yeah. Because we were sitting there going, God, I'd love to see what Roger's face looks like I right know, now. I know, I know. Like, there's a grand tradition and you get Roger cam and you get Sexton cam. And what was going on, lads? <laughs> Did nobody tell the directors? And then it turned out that Sexton was involved somehow in that uh, contretemps at halftime, which we'll get more details on. Um, is it... Is it, I don't really know if I should talk about this, but I had an emotional hedge. I, um, I remember being in a game one time and uh, somebody explained it to me, you bet against your team as an emotional hedge. So I was on the way down. I was like, I need to just make sure that this day isn't a complete loss just in case it all goes pear-shaped. Is that bad? Am I a traitor? A little bit. I, I think you stick with your team. You, you stick with your team. You don't have to lose money on it. Well, if you don't put any money on, you don't lose anything. Yeah, but then I won. Uh, I don't know if you did. Well, I mean, I won money. Now, technically, that's, oh, a, that's a fact. Head. Yeah, but would you say that that like, makes up for the no, clear, obvious it, disappointments that it, you're feeling I mean, this morning? Does it, does it appear to have? Um, oh, did you see those Munster fans in the stadium afterwards after you got off the dart with the uh, Raj masks? Did I see them afterwards? No, yeah. I did not see them afterwards, Colin. I did not go looking for them. Oh, well, you didn't Turn go looking for them initially, but they, they found you. Uh, that my, my point. Yeah. That was what's a great your, What's site. your point? Oh, I'm just wondering, did you see them again afterwards? Because that was beforehand you, you sent on the image. No. Okay. Didn't see them. I'm well. delighted for them. That whole, oh, there's no Munster fans travelling up to support any team against Leicester. That just doesn't happen. It's like, well, <laughs> who's that? Who are you being there? You. Oh, that was a good impression. Yeah. No, I wasn't being <laughs> you, Colm. Yeah. Yeah. Again, again, with the, with the old Adrian Barry trick of commenting on the jokes as they happen. Oh, no, I would never do that. Uh, no, never compare me there. No, 16 never. minutes past eight. That is this week's <laughs> Grim, Grim, Grim. I know, I'm sure you're great. If you're a Mayo fan, you're absolutely delighted. If you're a Westmeath fan, you're delighted. Yeah. If you're a Sligo football fan, you're happy. delighted. If you're an O'Gara fan, you're delighted. If you're a Man United fan, you're pretty happy about Casemiro. We could have put Man United in the amber this week. And, and we didn't. We didn't. Uh, yeah, or if you're a Chantal Cameron fan, you know, I mean, we'd love to know who you are, but uh, fair play to you. That is this week's episode of the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. OTBAN's performance rankings with Gillette. Evan Ferguson should have been in green. Oh my God, what a player. Uh, Ferguson and Matoma are going to rip up the Europa League next season. Uh, Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off the Ball. Braeburn Coffee coming to an Apple Green store near you. New Braeburn locations are popping up 
uh, every month. Visit applegreenstores.com forward slash Brayburn to find your nearest Brayburn coffee experience. Coming up after the break, Alan Quinn in the studio. First, here is Ron Nagara talking to Ashling about the importance of family. And just personally for you then, I seen you out there with your mom yeah. out, out on the pitch. Joan, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. yeah that was, that was nice. She missed Marseille because she had a fall and then it was more severe than we thought. So her, uh, I suppose, brain wasn't functioning great. So slowly on the mend, but um, she needs to eat up and get strong. But today is like today. Just she's too into it. <laughs> it's too, it's it's too much for her and uh, yeah we had a little I suppose theme in the background going when you want to you know what I mean scale Everest who are you going to bring with you so we brought a photo of my mum and boys brought people that were special to them so we had it on our little um, mat in the dressing room so when it got tough people started to I think think about who was important to them and they didn't want to go back to La Rochelle without the cup that struck me after the game the amount of people that went up to collect the cup it wasn't just the players it was all their family you know their sons their daughters yeah, yeah, yeah. that's obviously important of course it is because you know like a guy can play well if his family situation is good you know, we all have uh, difficult periods in life but the most important thing is your family and getting people to be natural as well you know that it can't be a natural and they go to work that they are who they are and they can express themselves you understand we've people from all different backgrounds and cultures and it's hard to even contemplate how differently people think about the game and what is very normal to me and you is very different in a we'll say in a Muslim approach or South Africans Australians New Zealand Samoan Argentinians so everything but it's not to say that any of ours is greater, it's just we put a big emphasis on family and respect and humility and honesty and working hard. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball. Alan Quinlan is with us to talk to us about uh, La Rochelle's victory, Leicester's defeat. Alan, good morning to you. How are you? Ger, how are you? I'm all right. Disappointing weekend. But yeah, yeah. Not for the Munster fan. Over here, the Raj fan. Yeah, you were saying to me last night, you must be delighted. And I said, I am, yeah, it's a great match. Let's not get into that now again of who's supporting who and all that kind of stuff. Um, it doesn't make any difference to what happened. And I, I, I think it's. Um, Let's talk about O'Gara then. Like, uh, I was making the point earlier, he's now in the conversation for greatest Irish rugby coaches ever. Like, Kidney has a grand slam, so it might be just a bit ahead of him. But, like, what Raj has done is totally different. Um, He's right up there and obviously it doesn't feel like he's coming to an end or even that he's fully peaked just yet. It feels like he's just in a sweet spot where he's continuously learning. He could do a double yet this season. Like Yeah, he could. Um, they're in a great position and there's a real steel and grit about that team and um, I met people at half time the other day. I popped out to the loo. We were on commentary for off the ball and uh, um, I still thought Leinster would kick on in the second half. That Satini try just before half time always gives the the team who were way behind the lift. Um, but I think they believe in him a lot, and, he, and they're a team that have that little bit of steel about them, a chip in the shoulder. Um, 
there was you know a few things that Gregory Alder was saying about being disrespected, all that stuff. But I think they had that mentality that it's real backs to the wall stuff. We're going into the Aviva here, and obviously they're very well coached, and the players love him. You know, I I was there a few weeks ago. Um, Ashley and myself were over. We were doing a thing for Irish ferries and yeah, off the ball. Going to come out in the next couple of days. Um, and we went to the game and that evening and you know I was blown away by the, the crowd at the stadium yeah. La Rochelle what it means to them there was brilliant fans. bands playing literally some you know speaking to one or two of the French people who could speak English a little bit like you could just see one guy said this is our lives this is our life every week it kind of remind me of you know some of the lower tier Premier League or uh, soccer teams in England where you know whatever team you're supporting we go on Saturday, we get on the buses, we head off. This is our week, this is our lives. And La Rochelle reminded me of a little bit of that because we were. La Rochelle is tiny, by the way, 70,000 population yeah, in the city. Very and obviously, small. there's a big hinterland where people would kind of. They'd be the, the local team. So it's, it's bigger than that. But, like, we shouldn't get lose sight of the fact that, you know, it's. It, this is a. It, it's not David versus Goliath because their, their budget is huge. But at the same time, it's an incredible thing for a place that size to have fostered this level of support and now of achievement. And in 2014, they're, they're still in Pro D2. Mm -hmm. So um, this is only their fifth season in, in, in um, Champions Cup and they've won, won it twice. So it's an incredible achievement. But the point I'm making a few weeks ago is I'm watching a team here and if you told me that they're going to win the Champions Cup, I'm thinking... Because they had their stuttery moments against Ulster. They won 7-3 in January. The game out there... Um, the weather was horrendous, but they didn't look like champions. The game in Dublin, they were very co comfortable in December when it was moved from uh, Belfast to the Aviva. You know, very good performance in the first half, but they let Leinster right back, or Ulster right back into that game. So they didn't, and you know, Ronan would probably say that they didn't look, you know, they were building, they were very much up and down at times. Gloucester should have beaten them a few weeks ago, Jaron, round 16. That's four, five or six weeks ago now. Gloucester they, they, to get a late try to win that game so they nearly went out of the competition but in the second half on Saturday obviously they they got their championship minutes as they call it and they got their their they you, you could feel that momentum building but it's not a surprise I saw Ronan in the dressing room with those players I went down afterwards I was in the dressing room you know guys just kind of fist pumping him and he was one of the lads really which I, I was really intrigued I kind of sat back watching it um, and he seems to manage it, it doesn't surprise me because I know him and I played with him like that that he wouldn't be one of these kind of strict don't get involved with the players and you know keep that distance and I've got to be seen here now to stay away from him he's one of the lads around her but like he's so open and honest that that's the only way he could do it yeah. just be not be himself in other words well, he was, I don't know if you heard that interview <laughs> that uh, you were just coming in there but his conversation with uh, with Ashling it's remarkable and we, I think it's up I think it should all be up on our, our social and we can um, just bubble it up again to make sure you see it but he's talking about meshing those cultures and listening to those people from all around the world so that you get the opportunity to understand them properly. Like, basically, it's emotional intelligence, right? Yeah. Which I don't know how many of your coaches along the way you might have had. There's a, a bit of Alan Gaffney in that, was there? Yeah, there was, yeah. I think all the coaches I would have had, they're all different. Um, I, I, you were coming through at a time when it was like, you get out there and you kill or be correct. killed. Correct, and don't get, don't get to know the player, essentially, was a lot of it. Declan Kidney was the one that all my generation say, he, particularly the Munster guys, he got to know you. Right. He wanted to know what was going on at home. 
um, how you are behind the scenes. Others, and it's it's no blame in any of them. We're so focused on these guys have to turn up, do the job, and I don't. I don't need to have any of their problems. Rogers is the kind of fella has a great balance and all that stuff. I've always said this, even as a player, if he stood up on a Monday morning after we lost with Munster, he had this ability to give you an absolute roasting, but also make you believe you're great as well. Mm. And that you can, and you'd nearly want, you know, you start banging the chest, say, I want to get out in the field. He had a real, and that's, it's hard to kind of foster that, Jerry. He's, he's naturally able to do that. Where's his heart in his sleeve? He's very honest. Um, I'm sure he has faults as a coach and not every player in the La Rochelle squad sure, yeah. would say Rogers amazing. There's guys probably there not getting into the 23 who were a little bit... to them today, you know. Correct. But if you hear, to hear all the other players talk and we've heard Will Skelton and Carol Barlow after the game, um, a lot of the French guys who speak some English, uh, Levani, Bottia... Um, like, they all played on with mad injuries. It looked like Bottia had popped his finger... There was Skelton was on the ground when it was of no benefit for them to be on the ground for ages with what looked like a knee injury and he played like basically another 20 minutes and was still excellent I, I went over to the hotel on Saturday morning I met him for a coffee we're obviously friends and I, it was a literally pop in pop out job and um, I met Bottia Levana Bottia going through the hotel and I was just chatting to him and uh Rog came over and says, stay away from him, he says, because he's he needs to calm down. He doesn't need any of your kind of... Uh, <laughs> uh, he doesn't need to look at you as a player. He, I need to keep him calm today. And I was just laughing, thinking, God, I don't know. Like, just for the coach to be like that with one of his players. Yeah. I, um, so he's the kind of play, coach you, you'd love to play for. Mm-hmm. Now, I'll tell you, if you're not honest and you don't put in the hard jars and yeah. don't work yeah. and don't wear your heart in your sleeve and, and show what it means to you... I'm sure Ronan would hop off you, but to hear the other players talk about him. But look, he—I don't know how they turned it around, Jared. Well, I do know because obviously, if we, if we watch, if you watch back that second half, Leinster made a lot of mistakes. Um, I think they were the best team in the competition throughout the whole pool stages and the round 16 quarterfinal, semi-final, and they had their worst half of rugby in the whole uh, in those eight games. Um, so. I think they lost control and there's a mixture of obviously it wasn't just Leinster playing bad it was La Rochelle were brilliant and Leinster struggled to exit and their kicking game deserted them um, they had to make so many tackles in that second half and to be fair to them I actually thought you've got to weather the storm sometimes to win trophies yeah. to really dig in and I thought up to the point that obviously George Henry Colomb scores that try that Leinster are this is the part they'll be most proud of the way they've defended this second half um, they came up with some incredible turnovers Dan Sheehan had one over near the touchline far touchline when they, they were a couple of yards out Robbie Henshaw the one uh, the one in Caelan Doris for me is very very questionable um, and they kicked that penalty um, La Rochelle there's not enough La Rochelle players there clearing him out. Um, Jakob Piper he said he's hands in the ground. Again, technically, he's probably correct, but it's a very harsh penalty. And, you know, again, the referee comes into focus, but I don't know. I thought Jakob Piper was hard on La Rochelle in the first half and hard, maybe a little bit hard on Leinster in the second half. So it was a mixture 
Um, but I thought the referee wasn't the influential factor in this game at all. I thought he had a good game, Jakob Piper. And it's not a game that you could start saying the referees at fault here. Just going back to Leinster's performance, for you, what did they do different tactically versus last year's final to start so well? They just executed brilliantly. Um, when you've but you notice a big difference. Well, when you have a line out, and you know, what I noticed on Saturday was their intent and their aggressiveness and the way they attacked the La Rochelle breakdown um, and their body language. They they looked really, really pumped up. And I just wonder, in a sense, did they emotionally go to a level that it it dropped a little bit and they... Like, it wasn't as if they lacked any sort of effort in that second half, but yeah, I think they la- lacked a little bit of calmness and a little bit of in- rugby intelligence in a sense about control. Look, there's a couple of mistakes there that are crucial. You know, they pass back in. Twice. Jamison Gibson Park kicks it when you can clearly hear Jakob Piper saying it was just on the 22 that it's taken back in. His kick goes out in the full. You're just psychologically, La Rochelle are going again, line out. Um, James Lowe did the same thing, basically. James Lowe sliced off the boot and then he cleared another one as well. Um, so there was three kicking incidents there that, that are unlike Leinster. And they're still brilliant players and they're still world-class players in that Leinster team. But just a couple of those things. And they started, like, they, they were just very surprising. You're like, wow that's not Leinster they they usually do those simple things really really well and uh, when you think of their kicking game early on and you know the 50-22 from James Lowe sublime incredible yeah, the, the way they executed that and it just now maybe it's down to the pressure and the level of pressure and that La Rochelle are a team that are really tough and gritty and it, they're so hard to shake off most teams would have bottled and kind of you know, went away after being 17 points down. But there's a fair bit of steel about them, to yeah, be fair. I think they, some of them, one of them afterwards said our plan was, look, they're going to start really well. And if it's 20 nil at 20 minutes and it was 17 nil at 20 minutes, well, we were calm under the post going. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't have that conversation, Gerard, as regards, well, if we're 20 nil down. I think that the, no, but they, of course, yeah, they probably, they it was ex- probably mentioned yeah, just here. In case. And you know what? It's like ticking every box. So you look at the permutations before a sporting event and you think, Obviously, we want to score early. We yeah. want to start well. We want to silence the crowd. But and I and I would often think this: if you have a coach brave enough to say, or or somebody or a player or somebody up. stand up and say, "Look, if Leinster score three tries here early on, remember we're not to give up. We need to just back ourselves. And if something goes wrong, and you know, I coach underage teams, and I always say, "Look, I would always try and say that point. Don't drop your heads if they score early on." Because I think they can score again yeah. when you're in that position. When you're La Rochelle, you have the self-confidence and belief that you will be able to come back into it. And they, they did manage to do that. One thing about the refereeing and all that kind of stuff, the um, the line-out at the end that Josh van der Fleer throws in, I'm not sure it was straight. It was right in front of us and it kind of... It wasn't straight. No. But they played on and like that would have been the end of the game anyway. Do you know, Because that was from the penalty that they kicked to the corner instead of... And they didn't kick it very far. That's the other thing. Kick to the 22 instead of kicking deep, which... Well, La Rochelle would have been asking if Leinster scored off that. La Rochelle would have been given out saying that, yeah, yeah. that it, was, it, was, so, it wasn't straight. You can complain about um, all you want, but like it was literally right in front of where we were and um, uh, the thing from the, the, for- the dog's leg was the, 
oh, seconds behind me in the crowd. Do you know how long Leinster spent 16 seconds in the La Rochelle half up to the point of the final few George Henry Colomb's try? From half time up to the try. Yeah. 16 seconds. So no control of the game. Where does that come from? Is that... Is it's that territory. Um, so who's well, it's execution, number one. Um, is it also like... Um, the decision every time they got the ball back the first thing they did was kick it away and it felt a little bit like your kicking game isn't going well so at they the kicked the ball 30 times in the game La Rochelle 24 um, Leicester barely had the ball though yeah but when, I mean? like when, Le- when Leicester had it probably they probably could have played a little bit more in their own half yeah why didn't like, they because I think they're trying to protect the lead I think someone like Johnny Sexton not being out there is, is a massive loss to him. James Ryan going off was crucial, really, really crucial. Tyke Furlong going off. Furlong ma- wasn't massive. Fit. Yeah, and like he and wasn't he wasn't doing the full warm up with everybody else. It, it, somebody said he missed the captain's run. But they're they're big players to go. And you know, Jason Jenkins is not the same as James Ryan as regards. He's a big physical player, but he's James Ryan and the line out, his presence around, his leadership. La Rochelle won 15 lineouts out of 15. You've got to steal one or two of those lineouts. Yeah, they didn't where's try the and pressure? steal any of them. No, where's the pressure? They'd obviously in decided the air. That they were so scared. And they conceded a lot. Yeah, and they conceded a lot at the front. But these were out the field as well. They conceded a lot at the front. Will Skelton ends up starting to win lineouts in that second half because there's literally no contest. And then so the hooker, Bougarie, just has he doesn't even have to throw it high. Yeah. Um, so then the mall was very good. Yeah, of and course. Like, you know the ball is coming, but you can't stop it. That's a if you stay down on every lineout, you you've got to get bodies in the air and try and, and try and go after some of their lineouts. Um, again, that didn't work for them. And look, you're trying to pick holes here and see what went wrong. For, for the most obvious one, and the reason why Leinster lost this game is their kicking game was really poor. And if you're continuously even putting the ball down the field for some of the longer kicks, I thought the fullback for La Rochelle was outstanding, Bree Stulan. He he knew little pockets where to run, where there was a little bit of space that, okay, he's going to get tackled, but he's going to get 20, 30 yards back. Yeah. He puts them in a good point where they play. And they felt, you know, in the first half of that game, James Tracy and I were obviously doing the commentary and we're looking down and we're literally nudging each other and we're going, look, Lencero kicked downfield in some of the kick tennis and the Larishel guys, I thought, honestly, they're walking. I thought they were out on their feet. To see the difference in the second half of those guys running back, trying to get in shape, get organised. And, of course, then their big players played. Skelton, Antonio, Aldrich was outstanding. Um, Botia, they start making carries and persistent carries. And no matter who you are or how good you are, when you're continuously having to make those tackles. And if you look at, look at the stats, again, you know, Leinster tackles... They made 183 tackles to La Rochelle's 73. So people talk about the physicality of yeah, rugby. You get exhausted. If you're doing that. as f- 23 players, okay, for La Rochelle, they make 73 tackles between 23 of them. So how many tackles is that per man on average? It's it's. And some of them are about 17, 16, 17. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. some players are making one tackle, two tackles. It's the defensive stuff that knocks the stuff and out of you in the game. So. 73 tackles for 23 guys They all their bench came on uh, well maybe the scrum half didn't but like say 20 players that's it's it's 3-4 tackles per man 3 tackles per man um, and obviously their back rowers and some of their forwards as you say very high so that tells Leinster 183 tackles so they got 
they got fatigued and yeah. mentally mentally was, fatigued. It I was think. supposed to be their two Leinster's advantage that, you know, we're going to be the fitter team in the last 15 minutes. And we've been telling ourselves that in Irish rugby a lot. It's like, oh, but it, it only works. If Even La Rochelle fans at the start of that game were thinking, we're done here. Everybody yeah. in the stadium. And is Ron Lockhart the only person in that stadium knowing him the way you do? What's his mindset like at 17 nil down? Is he staying well, relatively you know, you know calm what? and I, I, I was thinking, and it's, it's obviously Ronan, the head coach, but what about the other coaches? Dunnick Ryan, yeah. um, he's got to get a forward pack together and literally, you know, you can go in in a situation like that and, and, and start talking about the backs and the backs coach can take the backs, but it's up front. It's the forwards. I, he's got to go after that forward pack. Uh, particularly with some of the, the tries, um, the first uh, Dan Sheehan try, they're asleep at the line out. It's brilliant execution from Leinster. Um, the second Dan Sheehan try, there's about six defenders on the blind side, and yep. they're all looking in at the scrum hat at, at, at where the ball is, and the ball floats over them. Yeah, the hooker yeah. Jamison Gibson Park. It's a brilliant pass. So. I think he's he's really uh, central to that. What Dunnick Ryan has done for them as well. Uh, could you nearly give too much credit to Ron Nogara here at seventeen nil down? Was it the players themselves who took it upon themselves? To be like this is mixture, this is going to be embarrassing. It's like. a mixture, I but think. it's also the culture he's created, you need, isn't you need, it? You need le- leaders. Well, obviously, if you've had situations before that you've been behind and you've kind of fought back, yes, you have that. You but need like that. you need leadership in in players. But look. I think obviously Dante's try gives him a lift. Yeah. They're they're down to fourteen men, then Carbarlo's in the bin. And then Satini's try is really crucial. That just goes here's the evidence. We're we're now within yeah. touching distance. And in very simple terms, you're thinking we score first in the second half and we close this gap a little bit. And when it comes back to six, then you're that one score. It naturally changes. It naturally so changes. So nearly scored another try only for Hugo Keenan's tap tackle on the ankles. Yeah, and that yeah. was just before um, And so the next little bits like. like that actually gives you belief that this is changing, dynamic is changing here. So they held on to the ball and they had the vast majority, obviously, of possession in the second half. They had so much possession and the territory was really crucial. What about at the end, right? Um so Leinster do make the decision to kick for the corner kick to the 22 and you know it, again if they could have the decision again are they better off taking whatever percentage uh, kicking you're going to get from Ross Byrne because you'd forgotten I'd actually forgotten when um, Josh van der Fleer has the ball in his hand like hang on a second oh, yeah, of course Keller is gone um, and it is crooked like it, it should it should really have been a turnover ball well, why didn't he have a shot at goal I don't know that's what I'm asking did you think that at the time Watching. Straight away, I said he's got to kick this. Like the crowd is like, and we've been told about his kicking percentages are so high. Well, it's, it's, it's you're going back to that Australia moment yeah, where here's a guy in in six months. When was in November? Yeah, is it six months? Yeah. yeah. So here here's a guy six months ago who comes on in a big international against Australia, and he kicks a penalty. Uh, it's at the other end of the, the other side of the field, and it's from the right hand side. Uh, not favourable for a right-hand kicker, and he slots that. They were the two conversions that he missed. Actually, were fairly similar angle, I think. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, From the ones he kicked yeah. against Australia. Yeah. yeah. So here's one on the other side on the ten yard. It's it's on the ten yard line, five meters in. It's not easy. 
It's not an easy kick. But yeah, we can't get away from if, that. If you miss it and it goes short, the ball's in play. Or, or else they're dropping out. Yeah. And you get, get a chance to, to nearly to have a rattle back. again. So it's not as if you're kicking a dead and it's a 22 so, and that they go right down to your end of the field. They've got to drop the ball out from the behind the goal line. Good kick chase, even if it doesn't go over and, and they, you make a tackle, they've got to clear the touch. So they, they, there's a chance you get it back. So... I think that's a mistake. I think, but for me, Ross Bourne has got to grab the ball there and say, "I'm, I'm going for this here." Okay, so having missed that opportunity, right, and got away with the line out, then they're in a great position because they've got the ball inside the twenty-two, and they're pummeling away, and they're in field, kind of directly behind the post. And I'm thinking, drop, drop goal. goal. Hmm. Previous week is a great example of drop goals work. Drop goals win you matches. And they were all at the match. They were all watching it. They all knew that this had happened the last week. Into the they, same goal. They attack on the blind side and they nearly get there. And, you know, if Michael Alalatoa doesn't uh, make contact with George Colomb and he doesn't get sent off, they still have a scrum. You're thinking, they're going to score here. I really felt Lencer were going to score here. I felt The scrum yeah. had been annihilated in the second half, really. Like, even on their own ball, it was always messy. You know, it was Doris at the end scrambling just to get possession and trying, and then they had to have like two or three men at the rook to protect the ball. So I, I could see them getting pushed off that final scrum, but why didn't they take the drop goal? I don't know. Is I don't a, know why didn't they? They feel they had enough time to they, go for broke. I think they felt that. They, I think they felt that because the way they've played and the confidence they've shown and the quality they've shown that they, they tried to back themselves it's like making that decision to kick a penalty to the corner or kick it over the bar when you score it's the correct decision and everyone talks about God they're so mentally strong now we're looking and saying well maybe they should have it's cup rugby again you know and I look some people will, will have a different opinion on this and but I'm always of the opinion, and and I go, I'm go, I go with the gut. Sometimes your head obviously is a better scenario to go. But what do you feel at that moment, and what do you feel? What would you feel if you were out there? And I would feel, and I've often had the argument over the years with Ronan or Paul O'Connell saying, "Take the points, take the points," or you know, and they'd want to go to the corner, and they have, and then we score, and I go, "Sorry about that, lads," you know, or vice versa. But. I remember one standout moment with O'Gara back in Leicester in 2006, I think it was, and there's a penalty literally just inside the half against Leicester. And none of us are thinking he's having a shot at goal here because it's a long, long way out. And before you know it, he's the ball in the hand and he's just gone. Yeah. And he kicks it. He creeps over the bar by that much. Yeah. We beat Leicester that day. Shane Jennings and Leo Cullum were playing. I remember the game. Um and it just needed a moment like that for Rossburn to start moving fellas out of his way. And I got it, yeah. He has the ball yeah. and I'm just and maybe, maybe not even not even asking looking up to the stand or looking for Leo Cullen or Stuart or any messages yeah. from the sideline, just saying, I'm kicking this ball over here, I'm gonna be the hero. Maybe he was it. injured, I don't know. There's a possibility that he had a niggle or something and, and I would, no, we have to reiterate, it wasn't easy. There was no. a swirling wind down there. But you would have forgiven him for missing. It's the and, and the thing is you're not gone because no. But the drop goal they wouldn't kick have gone if it either. falls short you have a no. good chase you make a tackle and the possibility is them I, kicking her out. Can I ask you about this? So Stuart Barnes is saying that all of a sudden Ireland are not as frightening because of what happens to Leinster. It's 13 Ireland starters maybe. You know. Um, uh, probably 12 at least. Yeah, you've, you've Mac Hansen who's in the mix Peter O'Mahony and Tyburn. Yeah. 
and Bundiaki. So Bundiaki, obviously, you know, it's... it's Henshaw and Ringo is probably ahead of him. Yes, correct. Yeah. So you've 11 or 12. Of course, they're all going to cling on to this now. Mm. All the, I've seen South African journalists tweeted at the weekend and yeah. English journalists. Are they right, great. though? But sure, who knows? Let's see. And isn't it great to be in a position... That's why we play the game. Isn't it great to be in a position now that we have such a good team that people are talking about, about us like this? Um, it's a positive spin. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Does it create a little chink in the armour? Well, no matter what happens, we're going to the World Cup and we're kind of on a pedestal now that people still believe that they can... Are we on less of a pedestal now? So let's yeah, and it's not... It's, there's a good it's chance... It's a terrible thing for Leinster. I don't think it's this terrible thing because Ireland were beaten. Um, it'll make them hungry. It'll make them... It'll, it'll put a bit of a chip on the shoulder... Obviously, Leinster winning at the weekend would have been a much better scenario going to to the World Cup. It would have been better for Irish rugby. Um, you know, they'd go into camp in the summer, European champions, um, a little bit of a swagger. It gives you extra energy. Um, but I don't think, no matter what happens at the World Cup, we know, and we, there's no need to get into all the permutations now, it's going to be incredibly difficult. It does, and this is something that they've got to now mentally absorb and deal with that this question is going to come up it's going to come up at press conferences at pre-World Cup it's going to come up at the summer warm-ups well oh, Leinster, you know the power the physicality it's come back to bite this this Irish team again but um, different coaches different mindsets um, and I honestly think Leinster were a little bit naive and I think in the second half very much so and the coaches have to take responsibility for that as well. You can, you can, this isn't all on the players. There's messages going in and out there and they've got to take it as well. You know what I mean? If I was the forwards coach for Leinster, I'm, I'm wondering where, where is that line-out defence? Where, where is, why is my scrum under so much pressure? You know, you can't just pin this all on the players. I think the coaches have to take ownership here as well from Leinster as to right, as regards what went wrong, what kind of messages were sent out, were being sent out during the game. Um, there was some individual errors that you that are very hard to control, but it isn't completely on the players because, again, if you kick the ball down the touchline, they score, Jared, they're, it's Leinster. This is what they do. Yeah. Well, in, in the cold light of day, in the first video analysis session of this game with Leo Cullen and the staff, I don't think Stuart Lancaster will be a part of it, but what are the players anticipating will be brought up first? Like you've identified a number of areas where they fell short in the second half, but what was the most glaring deficiency that Leinster had? Their kicking game. Was it in the second half? Their penalties? Is that all down to one man? No, no, it's not. It's not. It's down to the... Um, it's down to uh, the pressure they were under. I think. Yeah, look, they're under f- phenomenal pressure. Like this isn't a hanging out job here that Leinster capitulated. They, La Rochelle were superb in that second half. The pressure and the way they played was honestly surprising. I didn't think they could sustain it. I always thought before the game that La Rochelle needed to be needed a good start in this game. That if Leinster tear away, chasing them is an impossible task. Um, but there are similarities to last year's final column where Leinster are eight points up last year. They're in control in that second half in Marseille. And they again, their kicking strategy and execution let them down. They bring La Rochelle back into that. I don't know if you remember the ball, the drop goal from Brees Doolan. Goes behind the goal, mix up between... Sexton. Yeah. Um, 
they clear the ball poorly. Larochelle get a, a a line out a couple of yards out and they score. Bougery scored a try. Um, so those 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 moments and look, they, their luck deserted them a little bit. But you know the penalty count, um, the mall meters in the game were was it like f- fifty-eight mall meters to La Rochelle, zero to Leinster. That so seems small. The fifty-eight it felt like two hundred. But um, sometimes, and maybe looking back at this. Maybe and maybe it's something for Ireland to look at. And Ireland's mall has been very good. Yeah. Look what it did in New Zealand last year, scoring mall tries. Yeah. Leinster didn't mall at all on Saturday. No. So I think they tried to once, but then they they ended up going wide. So they've no meters. Yeah. So they do a lot of the rip off the when they win the line of rip, it's peel around hooker coming around, yeah. hitting Gibson Park, looking for width. Um, maybe that's something they look back and say look we should have kind of mauled things up a little bit here taken them on and actually bucked the trend here of the expectation of the big strong physical pack I know it's difficult for, for when you have Will Skelton in there but Leinster didn't have any problems with uh, Mafu the Toulouse um, second or who's a s- nearly bigger than, than Will Skelton um, and that Toulouse pack is enormous as well so um, there's certain things, yeah, that will look back and really frustrate him. The obvious ones were the kicking game in that second half and finding, you know, territory in the right areas. Um, you, if you remember the Jimmy O'Brien contest with Raymond Rule, yeah, inside the Leinster twenty-two, the the, the La Rochelle twenty-two, yeah, that a penalty. It, it is, is it? when you look at it right. in slow motion and you see that Rule kind of is. Just gets the ball just before Jimmy O'Brien collides with him in the air, and then the ball bobbles on the ground. Leinster snaffle it up, and you're thinking, "What a moment!" And then it's a penalty. What would you say to Jimmy O'Brien? There, you can't say, "Don't contest in the air." What I might say is, uh, "We we we could have kicked that to the corner because he actually it was one of those rare occasions where the kicker had plenty of time. So if he just kicks that to the corner, and if if there was a defensive, if we could defend their lineouts, all of a sudden." They're inside their twenty-two, and we're putting pressure on them, and they're kicking. Well, the ball if you back don't give us. away the penalty, you're saying is it? No, no. Instead of instead of put a box kick the up guy, there, yeah. yeah. Like uh, sometimes just kick it in behind them. But those little breaks and moments, you know, didn't didn't happen for them. But again, Raymond Rule goes up there, very determined, and and and, and gets his hands in the ball. So yeah. very small margins. And the thing they lost by a point here, one point. I know to a world class team who have now done. Who back played back. a world class team yeah. who played unbelievable in that second yeah. half. Who was your own player? Like the match? manfully, I thought that that those tough moments of that defence is what wins your trophies. And I thought Leinster had done enough, but look, they couldn't keep him out. Who's who's the man of the match for you? Um, I thought Brees Doolan was amazing, the fullback, and he was really central to a lot of the time that he got his team back into that Leinster half with his kicking, but also running back there, really intelligent running. Aldred obviously got player of the match, and yeah. he was superb. He was brilliant. Dan Sheehan um, a contender. But Teen, 100%. Yeah. yeah, Dan Sheehan was... The turnover he got, you think it's a match-winning turnover. It's a pivotal turnover in that second half. He's just such a wonderful player. And again, I'll say it again, James Ryan going off the field. And it's not to say this but bad about Jason Jenkins, but I just think his presence, his leadership, his ability uh, of of moving around the field, making tackles, um, he was a big, big loss. All right. 
It's no, it's no crack having these conversations, but um, anyway. You did well. Yeah, thanks. Patronising git. OTBAM live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Quinny, thanks very much. Cheers, thanks, Sean. Up next, Sarah Donovan on the hurling at the weekend. First, here's James O'Donoghue talking to Tommy Rooney about David Clifford after Kerry's five-point defeat to Mayo. And if you look then at Kerry, look, they have the best player in the country in Clifford, but just too, too reliant on him. Yeah, was there, why wasn't there enough around him? I know Paul Ganey kicked three points and he definitely committed it in the third quarter. Tony Brosnan possibly just didn't have the game that he would have hoped to have had, had two shots early on that he snatched that off at half time. Kenny Spillane's out injured. Shawnee O'Shea doesn't look as sharp as he had been last year. Like, wh- why isn't it clicking? I think individually, um, they're struggling a little bit. Of course, when you have Clifford, it, there's always the the chance to look. I'll just slip it to David or let David do it. You know, like that's always going to be there. But I think the Kerry need to look at themselves now and say, I need to be chipping in with two or three, even if they're from the half forward line, full forward line. Ganey was fantastic today. I thought he he had his best game all year. Showed leadership, did everything right, took his points when they came. But everyone has to chip in. We've talked about it on the football pod numerous times. Half forward line, you need to get scores there because it, it dictates how the opposition defend against you. If they know you're not going to kick a score from the half forward line, then they can they can really just kind of leave you off and just double up on on the full forward line. So mm. I think that might be something for Kerry to look at: yeah. spreading the scores out and not relying on Clifford. Right. Yeah. So uh, James O'Donoghue who there in conversation with. Tommy Rooney, you can hear more of that goodness on the football pod today. They've got plenty to get their teeth stuck into. Bit out of breath there, Colin, are you? No. no. Totally calm and composed. <laughs> there you ready go. Ready for this great <laughs> slash. Sarah, promise. how are you? Good morning to you. Ah, I'm exhausted. Up and down the country, I was in Ennis yesterday. Worth every single mile. Right. Um, so, we were talking about this a little bit earlier on. Colin was giving out about the work rate of the Cork forwards. I'm like, they just got beaten by a point by Claire in like a game where Clare have reasserted themselves as the natural pretenders to the crown of Limerick I woke up this morning cross did you? it was the game that Cork didn't play well in and could have got a result right so that first half horses for courses bit surprised Pat Ryan went with Harnady Lehan, Horgan because Adam Hogan and Rory Hayes the st- speed the pace it was a game for Shane Kingston it was a game for Robbie Flynn but we obviously didn't have him but it was a game for pace and I think when I looked at the second game and I'm going to do a juxtaposition here Tip brought in Seamus Callan late got, gets his score Ray Mulcahy comes in late for Limerick gets his score gets the hand pass off for Tom Marcy Cork didn't hold a man back didn't hold a Harnady back a Lehan back or a Horgan back and then they had nothing to bring on and I know Kings- Kingston came on late but he came on too late OK um, and yes it took a 74th minute winner to win it I know but this is the problem with Cork they do sublime things because they've done ridiculous things and every game they've to come up with something incredible to bring them back into a game if you remember against Tip a couple of weeks ago they had a mad high press to get the two late goals and then against Clare they didn't do it so Dermot Ryan ends up being the saviour for Clare because Cork went away from what got them a result against Tip and got them a result against Watford Is Robbie O'Flynn's omission from for the the next six weeks basically is that going to be season defining for Cork yes absolutely yeah I, I, th- I think the pace that cornerbacks now have mm. evidently Clare have massive pace Cork needed inside forwards with massive pace and they went with I suppose consistency and a bigger physicality 
but Cork didn't show that yesterday right. and Clare were walking out with the ball they were walking into midfield and I genuinely mean walking into midfield and then they were being allowed to pick and choose the, the shots that they brought into their, their forward line and for the Cork backs it must have been incredibly frustrating mm. to see the Clare lads walk out with the ball and deliver ball of their choosing and considering the pressure that was being applied to Patrick Horgan Horgan was lucky to stay on the field because he was being roasted by Hor- by Hayes in the wings in the corners mm. he was only getting meaningful ball around the square and that's where he got his scores We got a question earlier actually about Pat Horgan is he a passenger off the ball too much? Yesterday he was yesterday he was and Previously against Waterford, I thought his work rate was better. He was going back further the field. He was more interested in the game. Yesterday, from the outset, I think Rory Hayes got into his head. But late on, and this is what my dad said to me, the best players, you know, can find yeah. scores. And he mixed the sublime with the ridiculous yesterday. Um, just to give everybody a, 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 an update on where we are with regards to this, right? So the final games are uh, next Sunday in Sample Stadium in Thurless. It's tip against Waterford and obviously we assume the Tipperary is going to win that because Waterford are um, have not been at, at the sixes and sevens yeah and then it's Limerick and Cork in the Gaelic grounds in Limerick they, they throw in at the same time so that there's no significant advantage to throwing in later um, and because of the two draws that there are now in the results uh, Clare have six points and are through uh, Tipperary have four points after their three games and Cork have three points and Limerick have three points so, uh, we could still have the All-Ireland Champions going out. Uh, would I be right in saying... No, if if they draw, Cork have slightly better scoring... Yeah, it's 8-1 to one right. at the minute. Um, if Limerick win, they're through. Yeah, so this is Cork's Munster final next Sunday. If they win, they're not going to be in a Munster final. It's going to be Tip and Clare. So I think from Cork's point of view this week, have to reevaluate everything about their work rate. And look at this as their monster final and an opportunity to knock out the All-Ireland Champions and they owe Limerick one. Is there is there a possibility that, because um, I remember having that conversation with uh, Anthony Nash after the first league game. Um, am, I, am I mixing up Cork and Yes, Cor- Limerick won, or Cork beat Limerick in the first league game. Yeah, and in the first half, everybody's complaining about their work rate, mm-hmm. but actually they made tactical changes in the second half that actually allowed them. So there was, that there's an element of, they can engineer it to... They didn't engineer it yesterday, though. Well, and so there was a real slowness yesterday to make changes. So at halftime, we were expecting two or three changes. Didn't happen. Tommy O'Connell got roasted in that first 10 minutes uh, and then got injured, was taken off, was brought back on. And in that period, Tony Kelly was tipping around the park. Now, he had four or five different markers yesterday. I'm not putting it on Tommy O'Connell because Brian Roche tried to mark him. Sean O'Donoghue tried to mark him. He was unmarkable. Um and but in, did they get to grips with him as the game went on in terms of his scoring and his scoring stop after he did two four fairly quickly and then afterwards I don't think so I, I, I think he I think he was opening up pockets for other players and you look at Shane O'Donnell late on they engineered the penalty there was so many different things and then crucially for me the big switch was Brian Lo- Brian Lowen brings in Shane Amori and the amount of ball he carried in that in that late spell. Cork high press wasn't available and he's pulling ball out of that back line and look John Conlon was you know a massive game for him and he was tired late on there was the target point and at that point Shane Amore comes in and he's just sweeping up around him bringing ball up the field If Tony massive Kelly shot. is unmarkable though if he's in that form like what what should Pat Ryan do? What like like it's nearly is it defeatist like to say like I understand this is a generational talent you're talking about here 
the, the thing is, I've seen Tony Kelly be marked. So I've saw, I saw. Yeah, he wreck. has been. No, I, I saw Wreck mark him last mm. year uh, and did such a good job for Wexford that Wexford were still in that game in that second half. Cork don't have a player of that calibre to tag a player like Tony Kelly. And you know, in that sense, then their forwards have to work incredibly hard. Cork's forwards have to work incredibly hard to allow them to basically compensate for the fact that they have a player who's incredibly loose and he needs to be marked. You can't give Tony Kelly the kind of ball that he was given yesterday. That's, that's why the Cork forwards were to blame yesterday because they just didn't work hard enough and Clare were setting up the scores for Tony. This, this is a problem for Cork for a few years now, isn't it? I mean, this is what you had hoped Pat Ryan would change. I they went back to old habits, like you said. But they worked so hard against Waterford. But why is, that, had, is that because they're coming up against much better quality? They're like, ah, oh, can't, can't be bothered with this. I think the boys think they're genuinely Benjamin Button. Like, this time at the top is finite, as Katie Taylor proved on Saturday night. And some of these Cork lads have been at the top of the tree for an incredibly long time, and they think they're Benjamin top Button. Top of that tree, isn't, isn't The Cork tree. Is it not, and though? that seems to be enough. Is there not an element of it, though, that they're... The they're they're doing what they're told. Do you know what I mean? That like it, doing what they're told. That wasn't doing what you're told yesterday. But, but do you know what the game plan was? That's what I mean. Like, is it, it how how did the league game transform from one half to the second half with tactical changes? I'm asking is it, is there more to this than just effort? Because like you you work all all season long, and again they're only beaten by a point at the end by who, the team who now we think are the second favourites. I'm talking about hands on their hips yesterday and lads being able to walk out the ball. Late on in the second half, John Conan actually gets to walk three steps and then decides whether he wants to lob it or give a direct pass to hand. And so is that positioning? They've gone zonal instead of uh, with a press. Do you know what I mean? But you see, one can't go and the rest the rest sit. Well, so so organisationally... That's a tactical thing as opposed to effort, I would argue. It's both. Because if one, if like one went and none of the rest went, well, that was happening repeatedly. You were saying, mm. right? Mm-hmm. So were you glancing over to the bench to see what Ryan was doing? Like, what was his body language like when that was happening? I was on the other side of the field. Oh, yeah. I was too far. What I was looking at, I was like, "Where's Tim O'Mahony? Where's Shane Kingston? Where's Jerm Ellerick? I was looking for Brian Brian Hayes. I was looking for Patrick Power. Yeah. I was wondering where the changes were coming because I said these boys in the field do not deserve to be here right now. They're not working hard enough. But is there any chance, as Jar alluded to there, that Ryan's saying to them, "Leave him have it there"? Is there any chance that's happening? We're happy that, that they're wrong. That person. occasion, Claire, Claire are going to get the wrong people with the ball in their hands. You've we- got. Peter Duggan inside. You've got Shane O'Donnell inside. You've got Tony Kelly inside. I'll keep going. Like there's no, re- there's no player in that Clare setup who you can give the ball to. And evidently, with Dermot Ryan becoming the saviour, yeah, and getting four points and being, you know, having an outrageous second half. We talked about him last year. I, I, I was incredibly impressed with him last year. Yesterday was his defining game in the Clare jersey. So you can't even allow him to have the ball. The Cork look fit to you. I thought they looked tired and probably epitomised by Dara Fitz. He'd have fits and bursts and then he'd disappear out of the game. Can we talk about Claire for a few minutes because mm. um, I actually haven't checked the, the bookies' prices at the moment, but, um, you know, Will's power rankings will be along later this week, I presume. Yeah, yeah OK. Wednesday. So, uh, I think people would still have Limerick top just on the basis of Limerick being Limerick and then after that, it's one from Claire, Tip and Kilkenny, I suspect, and maybe Galway. We haven't seen Galway, you know. Um, Galway haven't done enough yet, I don't think. So, is that about right? I'd agree. Uh, I do think, though, that Clare are having to play their monster final every week. So, I, I think there, there's a lot of energy being expended now. 
and Galway and Kilkenny are sitting back and putting up cricket scores and allowing kind of the team to to get into a groove and yeah. find. Well, that's always been the way. Yeah, the, absolutely. The and the championships. Yeah, and I suppose are Clare disadvantaged by that? Absolutely. Um, so you think that this has taken more out of Clare, like because last year obviously the uh, the Munster final, the performance was so spectacular, but it turns out now that that Wexford team, uh, judging on this year not that good and still ran them close and then obviously Kilkenny just absolutely annihilated them um, when they got the chance so that was the end of Clare's season last year it turned out but this year if they were to win a Munster final does that have an impact from a psychological perspective and does it give them energy? Hugely so and look I suppose from their point of view as well Mark Rogers Ryan Taylor Aidan McCarthy Clare have added you know real quality and to, to the team this year and, and they they really are working harder so they do have more to add but Kilkenny and Galway are getting to sit back Liam Collins scored a goal yesterday for Galway a, a lovely goal late on these are the kind of players that Henry Shefflin's able to look at now because there's no pressure on and he's gaining confidence week on week Yeah Ah look I think it's ridiculous that one of the best four teams in the country is going to be out of the uh, race for Liam McCarthy because of something or other I want to ask you I don't want to make this a leading question <laughs> So I'm not going to mention our county by name. But who's not going to out a monster? <laughs> With the performance delivered against Clare, it's Cork. Even though they're away in the bare pit of Ennis and they only lose by a point against a team who we think could win the All-Ireland. Cork don't have a Cahill Barrett. Cahill Barrett had an immense game against Seamus Lanigan. Um, he was immense all through. And I just think Cork... Damien Callan yesterday, lads, I rarely give him praise. I thought he was exceptional yesterday. He did a massive job on Peter Duggan and the backs around him were asleep and that's why they conceded the goal to Tony, Tony Kelly. But can a system not override individual brilliance? Because you're naming individuals there that like, we don't, you know, Cork don't have this, Cork don't have that. If that's the case, fair enough, but surely there's a way to counteract. It, it starts with the forwards and I'm really, really cross today about, about the forward movement and you had to be in Ennis yesterday to see it because there's so much stuff off the ball mm. that you don't see on the cameras and yesterday they were walking out they they were five or six yards off their player Tony Kelly in the first half Kieran Joyce actually sits off him Kieran Joyce did okay yesterday he sits off him allows him to win the ball and then goes in to try and block him like, that's madness Tony Kelly does not so it sounds like there's a, still an uncertainty about what they're trying to do as a collective as opposed to because um, like I think that would have been one of the complaints of the, the previous team is that there was fits and starts and mm. there was great athleticism in bursts but that there wasn't an overarching structure and it appears as if some of those same problems are still there they were evident yesterday and the irony is here Cork were in it to the 74th minute and it was a brilliant game and I loved being in the game and then today with the benefit of hindsight very cross Mm. (laughs) that's where I'm at Um, I do want to talk about the other game obviously uh, Tipperary and Limerick Um, Tip got what they needed out of it and have established themselves now as a team who really believes in the manager who gets sent off at the very end and you know like they're, they're all at it and even after the full time whistle they're at it again a big moment for a young Tipperary team like so obviously the old dogs are still there and the McGraths like what what can you say about the McGraths but um, the kid goalkeeper everything that we Ray heard Shelley, about him yeah. mm-hmm. like very accurate with his puckouts, and then listen to Tommy Walsh going I mean he was like Rory McIlroy out there well he scored a massive point like what 45 from his own, inside his own 45 as well he gets on the scoreboard did everything that he was supposed to do but it wasn't just that I suppose there were so many angles to that game yesterday well, yeah Limerick Limerick were really good as well 
I thought Tom Morris is in the running for hurler of the year. I, he keeps mm. popping up. Oh, he's he's just been incredible when uh, Limerick have been playing badly in the way that Tony Kelly was incredible yeah. for Clare when Clare were playing badly. Uh, Kyle Hayes, you know, outstanding yesterday. Um, with Keen Lynch struggling, and lots of different people have now said that Keen Lynch isn't looking as yeah. good as he was in the league because in the league. You know, I, I said, geez, he's absolutely, you know, he's pinning this team together. Is it time to bring Kyle Hayes into centre forward? And unfortunately for Cork, Limerick could decide to put Kyle Hayes centre forward next Sunday. And that could be a big problem for Cork that they haven't dealt with at all this year. How have Limerick found themselves in a position like, you know, the all conquering, hurling team of the country akin to Dublin footballers a few years ago? How have they found themselves in a situation where yesterday they could have exited the Monster Championship? There's these legacy moments that Dublin had when they were playing Mayo over the years and before they obviously reached the six in a row. Limerick missed yesterday an opportunity to get to their, I suppose, to achieve a fifth Munster title. They, they had four in a row. They were going for five. It hadn't been done before. That's, that's in the back of their minds yesterday and they've now missed that opportunity. A game at home, a full Gaelic grounds, you would make them favourites against this Cork team? 100%. No question. And with all they've achieved in the last four years um, I think Cork are massive underdogs going into this game and there's lads in that Cork setup are playing for their careers uh, Barry Nash sent off yesterday Limerick like they're just associated with sendings off this season aren't they like, if- I thought that was quite light in, in all of the sendings off all season that's been the one that was probably the most tepid like if a player gets sent off it's going to make news right is this actually a big deal for Limerick overall is there discipline a problem You've touched on this before previously. Yeah, I have. I, I, I thought they were playing too close to the edge, or, or sorry, they yeah. were over the edge um, in previous games. I think they've tidied up uh, their challenges over the past couple of games, and you've seen that, and maybe that's impacting the, their overall gameplay because they're not getting the breaks that they were mm. when they were being more physical. Mm. So maybe that's, I suppose, a struggle for the team is that they've, they've dialed it down a tone and now they're knocking the brakes that they were. And they're on the brink of elimination, but would you still have them favourites to win the All-Ireland? That's an incredibly difficult question. If they do a job against Cork, which I think they will, they'll sit back and watch Clare and Tip beat seven shades of yeah. out of each other and they will come back into the All-Ireland series gunning for road. And realistically, they'll be in the best possible position to, I suppose, go through the All-Ireland series. Yeah, now... Am I right in saying oh they they're more than likely going to have Galway? Wouldn't be a problem in Croker at that stage. Based on what I saw last year with Cork and Galway in the quarterfinal, I think it's the best possible time to get Galway. Sorry, I'm trying to find the odds here, and it's just taking me too long. But um, if you if you consider that Galway and Kilkenny have had very little competition coming into this, I suppose All Ireland phase, the best possible time to get either one of those teams is at the quarterfinal phase. Mm. The first bit. Um, we we have to talk about Westmeath and Wexford. So Westmeath's comeback is La Rochelle esque. Um, <laughs> With the seventeen points, I saw that on Twitter. Sorry, yeah. Tip Tip are second favourites to win the All Ireland at the moment. Clare third favourites. Galway are fourth favourites, and Kilkenny for some reason, with the bookmakers, are fifth. Those power rankings are wrong. I <laughs> uh, just want to just want to tell you all out there that that's Objectively wrong. Objectively incorrect. But it, it it doesn't make any sense because much better chance of Kilkenny reaching a semi final, yeah, and, and, and a final, final. sure. Um, yeah. Uh, Pugwakers never get it wrong though, right? Uh, well, they do. It turns out. Um, You're asking about Wexford. I was, yeah. Yeah, and Westmead. <laughs> it's been a long weekend. <laughs> as, as it has been for me in Ennis, up and down the country. Yeah. Look, Westmead, we talked about complacency with Limerick and you know what? There's 
an opportunity for complacency at the bottom too. I think Wexford went out yesterday saying our only challenge left is Kilkenny. Let's yeah. keep something in the tank for them. And fair play to the bear in the square, Niall Mitchell. Look, Westmead, there's a lad from Cork in the backroom team for Westmead, Paul O'Donoghue, and I'll have to mention him. They've been putting in massive, massive effort and that result is their defining result of their season. Yeah. Sorry, no, you... Like, it's kind of understandable that Wexford took their foot off the gas a bit, isn't it? They were miles ahead. Like. No, hang on. Uh, in the middle of the game. Yeah. yeah. Well, I no, don't but know. I mean, they're so the far co- ahead. Like. The quality that was still on that field late on. You know, they, they, you've got Chin, you've got Rory, Rory O'Connor, you've got Conor yeah. McDonald. These are players who would make the starting team of any other county. Uh, for them to switch off in that manner is disrespectful. I, Jackie Turley used the word spineless. I disagree with that word I think that's too harsh mm. but I do think that they took their eye off the ball and they were caught You'd make Westmeath have strong favourites to beat Antrim in the final round so I may- wouldn't maybe no? but maybe Wexford don't get relegated but they've they've put it there's a possibility that they get relegated like I mean the the pall of Offaly hangs over Westmeath or Wexford now if they were to get relegated it's like a, a, oh, unbelievable like unconscionable uh, uh, the fact that that Wexford team took tip, you know, to to the brink of of an All Ireland semi final, you know, a number of years ago, they're Leinster champions. They've showed so much quality. The fact that they've beaten Kilkenny and have been probably a mark on Brian Cody's managerial career a number of times to fall to the Joe McDonough so so quickly, uh, unfathomable. Um, before you go, I, I have to ask you about one of comments about Talton Cup. Totally disrespectful. And as the president of the GPA, which I think he is, I think he did a massive disrespect to the players within the GPA who are part of those Talton Cup teams. And there are second and third tier clubs all over the country, which Martin Fogarty spoke so eloquently about. And he spoke about the passion, you know, in in the hurling side of things, in the likes of Westmeath, in the likes of Sligo, in the likes of Mayo the same applies in football and they have to be given equal store certainly from a player's perspective and that's what Donald Oak has been first and foremost and I'm incredibly disappointed that he took the opportunity to take a cut when there wasn't a necessary there wasn't a need to I, I, I think this is all out of a molehill to be honest I thought that yesterday was manufactured nonsense the, oh look at this oh look at this who cares shut up both of you move on that's what I felt yeah, that's interesting. It's, a, it's a week yeah. too it's a week too old that story exactly but, but yeah. I don't I don't uh, think you should have said it in the first place no I, I just wanted to hear what you thought about it yeah because it is, like, it is it's, it's getting a bit tiring now because he was in the headlines two weeks ago so with the GA goal comments you know what I mean I mean technically his point which he was making yesterday which was very laborious and the accusation of not not being quoted properly was like just a like ridiculous uh, nobody wants to be in the Talton Cup really like Down don't want to be Cavan don't want to be Kildare sure shit don't want to be Cork didn't want to be Clare didn't want to be like Westmead were happy that they were though in the end weren't they but they're not now I know but last year you know what I mean well but uh, nobody wants to be so it is actually they are disappointed they are also fans yeah but there is something to win the structure isn't working but it doesn't mean that the head of the GPA who is an inclusive diverse organisation stands up and says that it's a meaningless competition that we're still going to look for funding for I don't think he said it was meaningless that's the point it's like a national do you know like the the comment was a grand national for disappointed disappointed also rants Yeah. yeah 
I'd say he chose his every word carefully and in fairness the GPA are the only ones who are actually standing up for the Division 3 and 4 teams in terms of getting them they're certainly not county boards standing no. up as we see with Kildare and all the bullshit that's gone on with the Camogie team there so like I thought that the football crowd in particular got very snippy and very up on their high horses which they're f- prone to do even less so than the hurling crowd right but uh, and then to bring it up a week later I'm like come on come on that's the thing that I find the most frustrating <laughs> and then for like oh you didn't quite she did <laughs> why are we even talking about this I blame you Colm <laughs> I had to ask you you're right here 17 minutes I past 9 fellow Corkman I know yeah. I know yeah. 17 minutes past 9 that price Uncle Kenny is too big by the way uh, Sarah, good stuff. Thanks, Thanks million. million. OTBAM live with Gillette Labs. Got the ultimate shave of your money back. Neon Night Edition is available now. Uh, some highlights for you on the OTB Podcast Network today. Lindsay Pete in conversation with Brian O'Driscoll. Brilliant post-match reaction from Tommy Walsh alongside Carl uh, from Semple Stadium. Was it Semple Stadium? It was, yeah. And rugby reaction with Alan Quinlan, Leo Cullen and Ron Nogara. It's heartbreaking if you're a Leinster fan, but you know, if you're not... You're listening to that with Glee this morning and screw you. You can follow off the wall across social and subscribe to the OTB Podcast Network. After the ads, Anthony Moyes in the studio to review the weekend's uh, Gaelic football. You're listening to OTB AM. Right, 19 minutes past nine. Anthony Moyes is with us. Anthony, good morning to you. Gents, how are we? How was your weekend? Eh, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> I felt sorry for you, Jer, I have to say. Literally. I felt sorry for you sitting here... Column covers he couldn't, you know, the unbridled joy was it was it was coming from every orifice. It was just a great weekend of sport, actually. That's yeah, what Alan was, was doing be his best to try to stay yeah. as measured as he could, but I could feel, you know, Schadenfreude is a bitch, Colm. You better be careful with it. That's all. I've had plenty say. of it. Manchester United supporter, for well, example. Say, oh yeah, Manchester United. You know what I mean? I support the biggest, most richest club in the world. It's terrible. Park GA in general. So you know. Yeah, my issue yeah, no, is, my issue is, and I said it over the weekend. It's, it's, it's like people jumping up and down, and it's brilliant for O'Gara, you know. Hmm. Yeah, but that's it. It's O'Gara, okay, Donica Ryan, and Olsen Deland. That is it. That as far as our relationship with yeah. La Rochelle yeah. goes, that is it. And when it comes to the World Cup, those three fellas aren't really involved. No. So now we have a team that possibly is what twelve or thirteen of the team that'll be yeah. on the Irish Sizable, team. Sizable, yeah. yeah. And by the way, that is a massive chink. In the army. If I'm New Zealand, France, whoever else, yeah. Scotland, I'm thinking, you know what? Uh, yeah, there's yeah. something we didn't expect. Uh, it's just a few left over, like Peter Romani, Bundyaki, Mac Hansen, not involved. That's it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's very few. Like Tygburn yeah. is the one that you, you really Byrne, miss yeah. from that Leinster side. But, yeah. um, but it's, you know, it's a worry. But uh, I actually, I've, it was funny, I was saying it uh, on Friday, I actually said in the office, I said, I don't think Leinster are going to win this game. Just things were just all being look. It's always the same, and it's 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 goes back to I know we're going to shout about Gaelic obviously sometime, but you go back to that Mayo Roscommon game, which seems like about four months ago now. Well, similar type of situation. Yeah. If you remember coming into that game, Mayo were odds on, you know, playing great football, um, you know, doing all the right things. McStay was on saying this was his ideal job. The backroom team was being spoken about, and bang, yeah, the rubber hits the road. Now, can they learn like Mayo learn? I mean, I hope that Ireland can. I mean, in fairness, so last year, the same thing happened to Leinster and then they had a pretty good uh, summer test series. So yeah. we shall see. Um, speaking of Mayo, right? Yeah. Uh, we were having conversations last week. There's a, a division of opinion. I do think these games are really meaningful and really matter. And the whole point of this is like bringing the football carnival around the country. There was a carnival in Sligo. There's a carnival in Killarney. And it really matters to Mayo that they go down there and they smash Kerry. Like, that, I think, is a signature performance. And look, you know, it doesn't mean they're going to... But it, it, they're, they're going to believe everything now 
that everybody in the in the the backroom team says about tactics, about hard work, about like you know everything that they said would happen in the Kerry game. I suspect came came through for them, and uh, they're big big signature moments in a season. Absolutely, um, and the six weeks or so that they've had, obviously, to prepare for this. There's always a worry when you're a part of a management team in that you're saying, okay, we're, we're going to go this way. We're going to hang our hat on this. Yes, you'll have some scenarios where, okay, possibly if this doesn't go right, we'll, we'll do this. But you, but you're by and large, you are going down the route of playing to a certain emphasis. And if that doesn't go right, it doesn't go right. And yeah. that's just it. And, of course, if it does go right and go back to the Leinster thing, like a point or two either side, and, of course, it, it doesn't mean that everything was wrong and it should be all thrown out. There's loads of good things in there. But you can imagine what they did. I think they were away. They said they gave two weeks off to go back to the clubs and then they went away on a bit of a training camp. So all of the focus was obviously on, A, the, the run-in, the panel and obviously that Kerry game like a 28 year unbeaten yeah. like that, that's a that's a, mass, that's a that's a serious record to go down like that matters to Kerry um, 40 matches like yeah. yeah you know and I think I think Jack O'Connor you know I know we're flipping a bit but I, I think I think Kerry walked into it a little bit sleepily and I think we can get to this in a few minutes about the provincials whether they're a hindrance or not but certainly Mayo said right we are revived we are refreshed our energies are through the roof and we are going to go out with um, pace, ability, size uh, and also not a lack of tactics, obviously, and awareness of what we're trying to do, especially around Aidan O'Shea and their half, their half forwards and half backs. Um, and I think they had the right team on the pitch. I think they've, had, they've, they've brought some good under-20s in, guys who actually aren't just carrying the ball, but who actually will pose a threat yeah. as cornerbacks or halfbacks. Um, and they've strengthened depth now. Oh, they've strengthened depth. Like, I mean, I was looking at the guys they bring on. Like, they bring on McLaughlin, they bring on Durkin. They bring on fellas that are saying, well, I'll see this game out for you yeah. for 15, 20 minutes. I'm not just A and other coming in. Um, and you know what? They fully deserve that win. And they possibly could have won it by more. Um, now, I know Kerry had a good few chances in the second half. They had one or two goal chances. But the game should have been out and out of the gap. There could have been 10 or 11 points up at half time. Is the win that more impressive because they were out of match sharpness? Or is it more understandable because they had a rest? It's probably a bit of both in the sense of, you know, match sharpness. They, they've obviously had a, uh, the same league and they went on and they pushed on all through that. I think they probably did need a break, column. You know, I, th- I think they needed, a, obviously, a mentally, you know, they needed a break to kind of re- reset. But We did say you, that there's a world in which the best thing that can happen is for you to go out early and you have this break that you get yeah. another mini preseason. Like, we had that conversation with, uh, with Brady and he was making the point that, like, look, the day after the game... Or the you know minutes after the game, I won't say it's a good thing, but the day after, I'll probably wake up and go, yeah, fair enough. But it doesn't really matter. Like when you think about it, they started the league at a, a lung busting rate because they wanted mm. to embed new new practice, new culture. Correct. And then, uh, and they saw that through. And as you say, they walked into the buzzsaw. Like yeah. Ross Common, literally the old long grass cliche is designed for yeah. games like that. And now then they're in the long grass. Yeah. And, and, They're in the long grass a long time, though. I, I, I'm surprised that they came out so positively because who would have forgotten muscle memory-wise about a game? 
I think so, but I think I think what they have they played a lot of challenges. They did, and they have belief, right? And and Mayo people, you know, you don't have to. to, to confidence is not an issue, okay? So so <laughs> that's there. <laughs> um, you know, whether it's, whether it should be there, or whether it shouldn't people, be there. Confidence is not an issue. Is the, the heading? Of Listen, the, my grandfather, my people are from Mayo, so I'm okay <laughs> in saying that. I, I I spent most of my summers on Ballycastle Beach, getting the legs ripped off me by the sand. So I'm okay. I'm okay on that front I, I can take the arrows but the I tell you what they're doing and, and what I what I really felt well there's two things Kerry Kerry were poor um, and people will realise oh well the Kerry forward line Kerry have a massive issue in that the forward line are forwards and that might sound a ridiculous statement but Mayo said well you guys aren't going to follow us and a lot of teams go out to contain Kerry and Mayo said, uh-uh, you're going to get your scores. That's fair enough, but we're going to get plenty of scores down the far end. Right. And they focused on Clifford, they focused on Brosnan, they focused on Ganey, and they focused on turning them and sending them the other way. And they're not going to do that. Clifford, Ganey, they're not going to run 70, 80 yards into their own defence. They might do it once or twice, but they're not going to do it 10 or 12 times during the game. And most of the issues, people will focus around the midfield and say, oh, they were cleaned at midfield, which they were cleaned at midfield. But Mayo have big bodies, mobile men all across that half forward and half back line. And they have fellas now in their, in their full back line, which they didn't really have in the league. Because they had it last year. Do you remember, like, Keegan, guys who would go? Yeah. Like, O'Hara came up and got a great score, fisted it over the bar, you know, even though he was on Clifford. And they, you didn't really see that in the league. The full-back line were kind of in situ. You know, they weren't taking those runs. But now they've just said, right, we're just going to focus on our strengths. And I think that's the big thing with Mayo. They're going, focus on ourselves. Yes, we, we tip the hat to the, to the opposition, of course. But we're really going to focus on ourselves and our potency. And they are potent. Yeah, bookmakers have reacted very quickly. Uh, Dublin are now the favourites to win the All Ireland. Kerry are second favourites. Uh, Dublin are two to one. Kerry are three to one. Mayo are now in as short as nine to two. I don't know what they were before the game at the weekend, but that's a, 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 a hardening of that price. Um, it's really important, actually, because Mayo will now more than likely beat Louth and, and beat Cork. You would expect them to win those two yeah. games. Um, one of those games is at home. One of those games is neutral venue, and that will make them top seeds straight through to an All Ireland quarter final where they now get the teams who finish second, who come through those other... Yes. Uh, whereas Kerry are now going to be facing uh, Derry or Dublin, or there's one here I'm just missing, I had it there in front of me a second ago, uh, or Galway in an All-Ireland quarterfinal. Yeah. I mean, that's not... Not uh, easy. Having come through, a, you know, the previous match, they're going to have to yeah. have... So it'll be... Um, again, and they don't get a break, isn't that correct? High intensity. Or, yeah, or maybe one. Yeah, it is high intensity. Um, so it's, it's, it's not... Like... I felt Kerry slept, well, I, again, I, th- I thought they slept walk into it. I thought they were, it just shows you the provincials, you know, because you go and you yeah. just win them and yeah. you're kind of like, right. But like, literally, it looked like the provincials were, actually, the provincials even looked below the league, if you know what I mean. The provincials looked like a, an O'Burn Cup, or yeah. a, you know, it, it looks like a pre-season competition. And if you kind of go through that and you're straight in, well, actually, that's the completely the wrong thing to do. Because uh, you saw it, you saw it. Like, I mean, they were so far off. What did Kerry find out about themselves in yes, the game? Yes, the Clare match is a waste of time, like. Complete waste of time. Um, and again, what it does is it probably just gives you delusions of grandeur and it brings you into a situation where you say, oh, we're, we're, we're in a good place here. Because all you can do, by the way, is even as a management team, is look at what's on offer. So you're looking at the evidence, you're going, I oh, know, you know, we're moving well here, we're, we're, we're nice patterns of play. And we spoke about this, what they were trying to do against Clare, we're kind of changing it up a bit. But next thing you come against the team, and Jack O'Connor said, 
they were about four levels above them and they weren't able to get to that point at certain times they were and by the way you take Clifford out of that game and Kerry are in all sorts of balls. Like, jeez, you could you could argue that the the Clare final was a glorified training session, right? So they come up with basically little systems themselves to keep themselves interested in the game. You could argue that Mayo's preparation was actually higher when they're with their own training than Kerry against Clare and yeah. the challenge matches. Exactly, and the challenge and matches. Challenge you, can, matches. you can go and play challenge matches against good teams, and you can pick whatever you want, and you can do four twenty minutes and like whatever you know. Correct. I don't know. I have no information about that, but I do know that they were playing challenge matches. Yeah, and like. Um, and they're playing challenge matches more than likely against motivated teams. Yeah, if you get me, oh, you know okay. teams who have either been knocked and feel you know I've I've a bit of an axe to grind. I'm going to push on. There, Monaghan, I heard mentioned. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I heard that too. Yeah. So yeah. you know, it, it it probably puts Kerry. Look, I don't think Kerry will be fine. You know, they'll they'll they, they still have enough That's potency. Thing, like, yeah. but, well, but but my issue is how open they looked. Like Morley, from a from a solid point of view. Like they were exposed so badly in that first half. Yeah. As I said, they should have had three goals. You'd expect their, their brains trust of Paddy Talley and Michal Cork uh, to be able to put that right over the course of, yeah. you know, and again, um, they'll play Cork and they'll play Louth. So they're going to be grand. Yeah. And more than likely they finish second. But it just means more games. Now, maybe this Kerry team needs loads of games to just get back to the level that they were at last year and they'll be fine because they're like, the basis of that team is still a very young side and it's not like them getting to Croke Park is going to be a knock on them. So I'm not I'm not writing them off, but they've just no. made life much more difficult. And that's why this format, for all its problems, at least has something like this that can happen. I think it's, listen, this is great format. I, you know, I know people were bemoaning the fact, oh, the, you know, the championship is starting without a whimper. But I thought I thought it was a fantastic game. Yeah. Galway, Galway, Tyrone. Like, I think what you can find maybe in the games, and I felt this in the Galway Tyrone game, especially when Burns was sent off. Tyrone kind of came at it, but Galway kind of like to use the boxing analogy. They just kept them just beyond reach. You know, they weren't doing enough, and I think that's a chink in Galway as well. We've spoken about this that lack of killer instinct. Like Tyrone didn't score for twenty eight minutes in that game, twenty eight minutes, and in that spell, um, basically Tyrone were down to thirteen men. Because they had Burns sent off and Morgan was gone with a black card. And Galway consistently just capped the ball, going around, playing the ball across it. Instead of saying, Jesus, here is an opportunity for us, like a la rugby, where the opposition are down to 14. Right, we make hay here. Yeah. You know, we know what we have to do. Go for 1-4, 1-5, 1-6, really try to bury them and make the second half a complete... You know, just uh, roll on the subs and yeah. just kind of see it through. But instead, you know, very lacklustre. And right. I think Joyce is in the situation as well. Is there a possibility well. Tyrone aren't that bad, though? Oh, no. Tyrone, Tyrone are improving. Tyrone are improving. And I think if Burns hadn't been sent off, um, it was right call, um, I think they would have been a lot closer. And they possibly could have even picked Galway's mm. pocket. Um, Tyrone are coming. The midfield is very powerful. They're starting to get their forward line looking better. Their defensive situation is a little bit more solid. They won't mind the extra games. Uh, not, uh, not, not a chance. Okay. I think they're coming. Just one question here, sorry, in Galway uh, from Ronan O'Reilly on YouTube. That their bench looks light in comparison to contenders, to other contenders. Well, if I if I'm sitting there on the Monday morning and uh, the three of us are sitting down, and we're saying right of 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 the teams that are in there over the weekend, 
the squad depth is what we spoke about before. Massive. And for me, male squad depth now. Mm. What they have done, and this is what the six weeks allows you to, when you're rolling from week to week to week, what ends up happening is the guys in the squad are finding it very difficult to put their hand up because the Tuesday night is basically a run-through, so is the Thursday. So it's very hard to get a bolter out of the pack. But when you have six weeks, you can go away to training camp. All of a sudden, you're looking at an under-20 and you're going, Jesus, this lad has something. Let's try this fella. But Sorry, but my point is, go, we're going back to the, you know, we'll go back to the trough. Uh, well, you know, he's not a bad player. You know, he, he, he'll he do a job for us. Whereas May are able to say, well, actually, hold on a second, you and know, and change it up. Group isn't handy. They've got Armagh and, and Westmead, so you'd expect them to beat Westmead. The Armagh game is obviously going to be a big game for them to decide yeah. exactly uh, where everybody finishes in that one. On the other side, on the flip side, Clare got beaten at home by Donegal in the first game in Group 4. That was the one they had to target. That was the one they had to win. They're the bottom of a table which has... Derry and Monaghan in it as well mm. and like you would fear for what those results are going to be for Clare in the rest of the competition and on the other side Sligo managed to come back from three points down with 68 minutes on the clock to uh, get a draw yeah. against Kildare um, one of the Kildare GA uh, Twitter accounts pointing out that Sligo are still the only county that Kildare have no uh, senior victory over in their history well there's a stat what yeah there's the stat. Well, I think I think people are giving out because I think seven minutes were played in extra time when it was meant to be addition, meant to be five. Uh, but it just shows you the Jekyll and Hyde nature of Kildare a bit, you yeah. know, to go out what they did against Dublin they're and like, then to. But like, like Sligo weren't bad, you know, that, and you know Sligo were there on merit in the, in the Connacht final and all that stuff. I thought actually from from what I could hear and I spoke to a couple of people who were at the Clare game. Clare literally threw that game away. Now Donegal got a handle on it eventually, but they had they had opportunities to really drive it home. And instead they didn't, uh, and Donegal came back. I don't know what that does for Donegal's belief, to be honest with you. It might be just a, a plaster over the cracks. Um, but, yeah, you would fear for what's what's going to come in the back, the back of that. But, right. but they're through to a preliminary quarter-final, yeah, basically. You 100%. Know? Yeah, yeah, they absolutely. live to fight another day. All right, Anthony, good stuff. Cheers, Thanks a million. It's uh, 9.34. Uh, Phil Egan is with us to reflect on Katie Taylor's defeat at the weekend. Phil, how are you? Good, yeah. yeah. Uh, what did you make of it? Yeah, I, I think it was a risky fight to take for, for Katie and just came up against somebody that was too big and too strong for her. And I didn't think it was a bad performance from Katie Taylor, but I just thought Chantal Cameron was excellent. And one thing I wondered was how she would handle the occasion. She looked a little bit nervous on the walk in and obviously to wait for Katie Taylor to, to come in. But as soon as the first bell went, Chantal Cameron was on the front foot and Katie Taylor just couldn't get her couldn't shake her she just you know she. I thought Katie Taylor landed some great punches mm. the you know the combos that we always see from her and eye catching shots and she landed some really clean shots but she just couldn't keep Chantelle Cameron off her and just ground her down and I think if they fight, fight again the same thing will probably happen yeah but it was close like it, yeah. I, I don't buy the fact that some people thought it was like an absolute cakewalk for Chantelle Cameron like I kind of thought 96, 94 was a fair fair call of it. Was there anything differently that Taylor could have done? Well, her best parts of the, the fight were when they were in the centre of the ring and that's what her corner were telling her to do but it's one thing being instructed to do it it's another thing trying to actually carry it out and that's where Cameron was so good that she cut the ring off and she just constantly had Katie Taylor in some tricky spots up against the ropes and you have somebody of that weight obviously they rehydrate after the weigh-in they're obviously the, the, the same weight 
on Friday but then by the time they come into the ring Chantelle Cameron is bigger and if if she's leaning on you for, for 10 rounds then it takes its toll and that that's kind of the advantage and there is some talk if there is a rematch that Cameron will come down further in weight would that be enough to swing anything in Katie Taylor's direction it, it might make things a little bit easier but it's still a really tough fight and you can imagine the confidence that gives Chantelle Cameron knowing thing, that she can it? beat yeah I, I thought it was an excellent performance from her. Her corner got their, their tactics spot on. And yeah, like people will say, why did Katie Taylor take this fight? But Katie Taylor didn't get to where she is by take, doing things easy. Yeah. I, we had this conversation earlier. I'm, I'm definitely like, you're allowed one. Uh, after you've done everything, you're allowed one homecoming fight where you fight somebody and then, you know, uh, then you can do this as your swan song. Uh, I don't think she takes the fight because she... She takes this fight because she thinks she can win, and I, I think that's hubris. Though at some point somebody has to say, like, this is a bigger fighter, a stronger fighter, a younger fighter, and uh, I'm just not sure what the value of losing at this stage in your career is, or, or risking it. But be, you, that's what makes the great fighters, though. Like Muhammad Ali did the same. Yeah. Like he would take on the greats. Yeah, yeah. Muhammad Ali did not end well. Did not end well. But I mean, when he did take on the greats at the stage of Katie Taylor's career. He often won, like, you know, that, like, that's what makes you even greater again. Like, of course he's going to take that challenge on. Did you think it was the correct fight for her to take, Phil? I thought when, obviously, the Serrano fight fell through and then all of a sudden this was announced, I thought, wow, this is, like, this is a, you know, this isn't an easy one. This is, like, going up against the best, against somebody that's bigger and better. And, yeah, yeah but, see, I get, I get going points. into the fight I kind of thought one thing Katie is going to have the advantage is in speed better footwork quicker hands and as I said those spells in the fight where they were in the centre of the ring that's where she was able to show off those those skills but it didn't happen enough in the fight so maybe they think if they get her again that they can make it more of a, a fight that suits Katie Taylor but I said it's very hard when you've got somebody that like Katie can land those punches, but Chantelle Cameron said it. She's done it all her career. She takes punches. She's no problem taking punches. She'll take one to throw two, and that's exactly the the tactics that she'd use. She's taken Katie Taylor's best shots, and she'll know now that she can take her best shots. Katie Taylor only has six knockouts, so yeah. you know that was always going to be the the worry that. Cameron has more knockouts, right? She's uh, about eight heading into it, was it? Yes, yeah, and yeah. she's obviously had less fights as well. Yeah. But look, the reason Saturday night happened and was such a big event was because of Katie Taylor. She's ah. created this. And Chantelle Cameron said it before in the week in the build up saying it's because of Katie Taylor I get the opportunity to be a professional. And I said And no one's ever gonna take that away from her, definitely. No. I, I do think though that like the country would have been happy to show up, pay their money, subscribe to the fight, just to see her win, to give her the money as like a you know, here's Never here's our return to you for all that you've done mm. for us over the years. Um, and uh, but you know she's never going to do that. No. Why, why not? Though that's every uh, every boxer in the world. Is, but every boxer in the world has always done it. Like Floyd Mayweather did it loads, like all the time. Look, would like do Floyd it. Mayweather's doing exhibition fights now against YouTubers, and like Katie Taylor's never going to do never. that. Yeah. Do you think it in any way diminishes her legacy that defeat on Saturday night? Uh, I I don't really I, like I don't but yeah. I do think that um, she deserved an easy fight and that somebody somewhere along the way could have said 
let's take an easy fight because we're not sure how the whole thing in Dublin is going to work out and what you're going to feel and you know the emotion of that whole thing might not be something that you're prepared for maybe you are maybe you're not I don't know maybe it has an impact maybe it doesn't um, but let's not pick a fighter who is so good so the, the stats published today it doesn't say where they've come from um, but Cameron landed 141 punches Taylor landed 111 so 30 more landed but the numbers thrown Cameron threw 565 and Taylor threw 284 so it's just overwhelming like mm. the bigger fighter the younger fighter yeah. the stronger fighter with the longer reach is, is punching twice as often and you know you've got to keep moving so eventually that just wears you down yeah and, and that's that's it it was just it's just it's relentless and also the two men rounds make those those fights they, they go back yeah, by so quickly there's no lull in the rounds mm. it's just a constant that's what makes them fight so exciting some people say well they should be three minute rounds and maybe that's something that happens in the future but for now they're two minute rounds and as soon as, as soon as the first bell sounded, Chantelle Cameron was on it from the start, and I did wonder how she would handle the the occasion, and she was exceptional. If you're advising Taylor, what would you say to her next? I would probably say to her, maybe you shouldn't fight Chantelle Cameron again. But who am I, or who are any of us, to advise Katie Taylor? Well, what she to should do? retire. Right? She's had an incredible career, as you said. She has like completely invented a new sport that will forever exist because of her. There's no more mountains to climb. There's just like a beautiful retirement to have where you relax now. Like she's 36, she'll be 37 in July. But maybe maybe boxing is her favourite thing to do. I'm sure it is. You know? I'm sure it is. So but it is. Yeah, want to retire. Really, yeah. It's really dangerous. It's a really, really dangerous sport. Every single punch has some concussive effect that could in the end cost you really years at the end of your life like we, we, I have to be honest about this you know a lot of boxers will have horrible ends to their lives because of the damage inflicted on their brain from the, the punches that they receive again and again and again and we, we kind of skirt around that topic when we talk about this but every single time you, you watch a fight there, there is a potential for life changing brain damage to happen She's made her money. She's she's got a gold medal from the Olympic Games. She's completely changed her sport more than anybody else. I just think that I hope somebody. Well, it's saying, the it's the biggest conundrum with the greats. So you're saying someone should sit her down and say, "Katie, you've nothing left to prove, and the danger here is you get hurt." Her retort to that is going to be, "I'm one of the greats. Yeah. I know what I'm doing. Sure, I'm we going know to that. win next. We know that. Yeah. We know we know you know what you're doing. Like, grand, but the risk gets increasingly high." With each fight now, and at at your age, you're slowing down a bit now. You're not able to do the things that you were able to do five years ago and ten years ago. And your opponents are getting bigger and stronger. I would be shocked if that was her last fight. I don't think she wants to go out on a defeat. No. But I I do think that if she fights Chantal Cameron again, it could be... More one-sided. A very similar story. and Like the pursuit back-to-backs, you know, she dominated the second one, right? Katie did. Yeah, she, but, and that showed that she learned from the first fight. And again, that was about fighting smarter. Mm-hmm. And maybe she can do that against Chantal Cameron, but Cameron is better than Pursuit. Way better, yeah. yeah diff- like technically, so much better. Yeah.
All right. OTBM, thanks, Phil. OTBM, live with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Art Edition is available now. On tomorrow's programme, uh, Shane, we hope, uh, Johnny Ward are going to bring you James Tracy, plenty more on the weekend's Premier League, Katie Taylor's loss and more besides. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.